Welcome to Savvy Sabs podcast on call in. This is episode 92. TikTok hearing pushes China fears. Yikes. The TikTok hearing was cringe to say the least. Is the criticism of TikTok's data access fair? Does this increase America's fear of China? And let's go ahead and bring in uh, Karthik. You are first up on the mic. And I'm going to make sure that I have my my media volume on here. Just make sure so I can hear you. <laughs> All right. What's up? Hey, Savvy. Uh, can you let James speak first? I think he was before me. I think he just got disconnected. Oh, sure. Um, go ahead and hop back in the queue and I'll go ahead and bring in James. All right. So let's go ahead and bring in James. You are on the mic. Just have to unmute. What is up? Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. So initially I I said or I thought that um that what is it? Um that TikTok should be banned, but ultimately I don't think so because I think that if they're thinking uh, um people are thinking that um that China will steal U.S. citizens' data. We should still be worried about that in the U.S. So ultimately, like, the U.S. is still, like, a geopolitical threat all over the world. So I think that ultimately we should also have the same scrutiny with the other companies um, as well as TikTok. And if there isn't an alternative to TikTok, then we shouldn't really have a discussion about it, you know? That's what I think. That's an interesting opinion. Um, I'm curious, what is your perspective on these other apps that we have on our phone? Like, for example, these other apps like Facebook, which also collects our data, like basically like all of the apps that that I can think of do right. collect our data in some way, shape or form. So what's your opinion about that? Like, I, I mean, I'm concerned about them all. Like uh, the, I, I like to use the apps, but ultimately I'm very concerned about how my data might be used, right? And there's really no way, there's ways that you can protect yourself, I guess, if you know certain, um, I guess, practices to kind of follow when you are using apps, but ultimately you kind of have to display where you're at, you're located to be able to find, like, I guess use GPS, you have to use that to like find out how you how close you are to a restaurant or whatever. So ultimately your data is going to be used either way. So I'm concerned about, all apps in general, but I think that if we're going to make an argument about TikTok, we should talk about all the other apps, you know? That's what I think. Yeah, because I, I think part of the problem that you run into, and I want people to, like, fully understand is that if you have a smartphone, your data is being used in some way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah, so that's basically what I want to do. I want to kind of just... uh let you know why I voted yes, what, that it should be banned, but I thought about it and thought that, you know, we should fear more than just China, you know, manipulating and kind of stealing our data. So, All good points. All good points. Um, I think that uh, my fear is that people are going to develop this type of fear of China because of some of the things, some of the comments that were said in that hearing and some of the things that are also just being said about China in reference to 
trying to reach agreements with Russia, et cetera. Like, I feel like this is just adding to the fear mongering uh, surrounding China. And I just feel like I just think about all the young people that I know, like in the U.S. that love TikTok. They love doing the the dances on TikTok and everything. And then I'm afraid it could lead to other things, too. Like next thing you know, people might be saying, well, then we should ban uh, Facebook. Because Facebook right. actually had a congressional hearing a couple years ago where they admitted to the fact that they were using our data. And I, I would also push that I think what we really need is we really need to find a way to be paid for our data. Because I brought this up before um, me and JB did on the JB and Savvy show is that Google, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, none of these applications would exist without our data. Yet we don't receive any. Are we- are we able to know like what they're doing with our data as well? Like we have no idea what is happening with our data. So ultimately well, no, they have to be transparent about what they're doing with data as well for us to know how we could be compensated, you know? Well, now I notice like when I do, if I do download a new app, now I notice that there is that disclosure that a lot of people don't read, but there yeah. is that disclosure that does say that your data may be accessed while using this app for other purposes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, I feel like there's really no way you can avoid that. Because right. even because you'll you need the app regardless. So it's kinda hard to just to say no or to set certain settings because you can't use the app to its full potential, you know? So Right. And that's the same thing can be said for Google. Like this, this goes beyond even like applications. I mean, what about when we use Google on our laptop? Like what about when we used Google on a desktop? Like, and I, I actually, something I want people to be aware of, like I used to work for a professor who taught uh, cybersecurity. That was his, that was his specialty. And he used to hold these seminars like every now and then. And sometimes I would go to them. And there was one seminar I went to that was for incoming students because uh, the new students were just coming around. And he was doing he was doing a presentation about what is cyber cybersecurity and you know where and how it can be accessed. Yeah. And that was when I found out that basically any electronic device that you have plugged into an outlet in a wall, guess what? That can be a yeah. cybersecurity threat. Oh, okay. <laughs> whether it's a, yeah, whether it's a phone or not, that includes your toaster, that includes a computer, that includes uh, you guys that have that you know the little iPads. What any electronic device that is plugged into an outlet in the in your wall is a, a cybersecurity threat. Hackers have found ways to get through all of that stuff, and I, I think a lot of times people think that hackers are just trying to hack into computers. Hackers yeah. have found ways to hack into hack into other devices through electronic devices, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense, but I'm not sure exactly how, but yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like he was really paranoid about it too. Like he gave this whole speech about how he unplugs every device in his home before he goes to bed every night. And like, I don't have time to do that. But he still has a plug it in to use it. So I don't know how he's protecting himself. That's true. But yeah. Um, yeah, but that's really all I had to say. I want to just kind of explain why I said yes. And awesome. I let everyone else talk because, you know, it's, I don't want to be too long. So 
thanks so much and enjoy your night. Thank you. Awesome. You too. Right. Okay. Neoliberal tears. You are next on the mic. You just have to unmute. Good evening. Uh, Good evening. Amazing show. Um, and, and thank you for covering the TikTok hearings, you know, cause I think it's been like, whatever you, people think about China, you know, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts, you know, and, you know, some of them, you know, are maybe rooted in like, you know, some paranoia and fears that we keep seeing from news sources, but like, however you feel about China, those hearings were a mess. I mean, yeah. they, they were embarrassing, you know, and, um, just like you, I know people who uh, love TikTok and I, and I've seen the, like, you know, some of the comments, um, that I thought were really funny. I was going to see uh, a call, call them out. Um, on people were saying, um, Mr. Chu, when I sleep, does TikTok access my dreams? Uh, Mr. <laughs> Chu, if I breathe, will TikTok access my lungs? Um, uh, <laughs> Mr. CEO, how do I turn off the flashlight on my phone? Yes or no? Uh, Mr. Chu, when I close my eyes, why do I see darkness? So it was just like these people, like these Congress members were just, they didn't know what the fuck was going on. I'm sorry. And during Russiagate, nobody said, let's ban, like you said, nobody said, let's ban, let's ban Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg is a huge donor and Meta is. And, um, even I have like a liberal friend who, I mean, I disagree with her on so many things. Uh, recently, she came along on the student debt uh, cancellation. But, like, even she was like, you know, yeah, I feel like it's like it's just like Facebook lobbying Congress members to ban their biggest competitor. Because TikTok isn't just competing with the other social media. They're competing with Netflix. Like, um, I was posting an article in the chat that said that it was uh, the most used app, even beyond, like, Google as a search engine. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. I just see it as hypocritical. Yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely see that, too. I mean, but but then the other thing, too, is I want people to really think about is like they don't say this about YouTube. They don't they don't say like, I mean, I don't see YouTube in any hearings, any congressional hearings and they're actually. Exactly. Like what? But And it's so obvious. Like, I feel like they have a backdoor into, I mean, we know this from the Twitter files and Matt, uh, Matt's reporting that they have a backdoor to apps like Twitter and, you know, they can like send them little messages, their minions, if they have staffers to like say like, hey, we don't, I think Matt reported on Adam Schiff's uh, staffers sort of going around and say, hey, can you like put down anything that talks about them in a negative way? And Twitter said no to be fair but at le- but they still had like backdoor access and i feel like that's what these congress members want they want to be able to control or influence tiktok and they were so hypocritical they were they were even saying like oh in china um they have like they uh they have quote unquote educational videos that they promote to users like that are the government pushes we want that too excuse me so you're saying we should be more like china that the government should dictate what tiktok what videos are promoted like, I don't, uh, like the dissonance. And they were saying, oh, and they have like a 30 minute limit on like a, t- like a ban on, uh, I think like kids in China. I think they were saying they can only use it for 30 minutes. That's the time limit. And, and they're saying, 
yeah, like we should have that here. Like that doesn't sound like freedom and freedom to me. Like, I don't know. Kind of sounds like authoritarian and controlling. Uh, so what's the, you guys will have to remind me because I honestly don't know. What is the age limit for TikTok? I think so. I think it's 13. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken in the chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 13. And I think you have to like, there is like, there are parental controls like that they can access, but some of them were even asking like, why do I have to download the app to be able to do parental control? And like, you know, does my, <laughs> like, it was just dumb questions. And I feel like it's all in bad faith and all they really want is to bully. And I also feel like, the way the videos that I've seen go viral, none of them had anything to do with China. They've all had to do with like either things that were really funny or people getting together and really like rallying for stuff. And maybe that's what they're afraid of, like organizing becoming easy or some or easier and something that they can't totally control. I could see that, too. Maybe that's that's part of the problem. I mean, I know like typically like I always see like those dance videos go um, go viral. And you, like you said, like a lot of the funny things, but like in reference to some of the restrictions, I don't think they understand this either, but TikTok is actually pretty strict in reference to, uh, you know, censor. for example, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the channel Midwestern Marks, like they've talked about this multiple times on Twitter. They have been removed from uh, TikTok multiple times for talking about like communism or socialism. Mm. He's great. Multiple he's great. He's great. And he's also bad, cute. Bad cookies. So wonders thinks they must they must have a um an upper age limit of a seventy for no boomers on TikTok. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean I just I I don't know. It seems like every time there is a hearing in Congress about um an app or any type of like social media, they just seem to be very clueless and you know, it is what it is, but I'm like, I'm not saying they have to use these apps, but I do think that if you're having these hearings, I do think that you should do your research beforehand. It's the same thing. Like during the uh, Twitter files hearing with Matt Taibbi, I felt like some of the questions they were asking didn't make any sense. And it was very clear to me. I'm like, they didn't do any research about these apps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just made them look so much dumber. Like the Dan Crenshaw, did you, uh, when, um, <laughs> when he was, that was fucked up. That was so, I mean, fucked up, like racist. I mean, we can clear. And also like you have staffers, you pay yep. people to do these research for you. You probably practiced nobody. Maybe they were setting him up because I don't, I don't know how that gets through. Like he, he was Singaporean, like Jesus. But you know, but you, but you know what, neoliberalism, you just reminded me of something. I was going to mention this earlier in the stream and I forgot, but you just reminded me of the fact that there is this tendency for Americans to assume that all Asian people are Chinese. Ugh. And it's just, it, it's, uh, it's so ridiculous because there are, are so many different, like, you know, Asian people come from so many different countries and it's like, I've noticed this also like when working like in, in higher ed, like people would just assume if I had a student that was Asian, that they were from China. I'm like, not everybody is from China. <laughs> it's, 
It's the it's so offensive. I mean, I I'm it's the it's the last thing we needed in the discourse. You know, people are under attack like by Anakasparian, <laughs> but like you know, but now we needed Chinophobia. Like, gee, no, please, like the last thing people want is war. Like, I don't like it's it and and it just and especially like. You know, that's why I'm saying, like, it's not, I'm not saying China isn't doing bad things in the world. Like, I, I feel like every, every, everyone does. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not affiliated with anyone. No, not paid by anyone. Don't like, so, but, but I just, it just rings hypocritical to me. When, and when you have somebody mistaking a Singaporean man for Chinese, um, crazy. Right. And then also, I often wonder, like, how do, how do Chinese Americans feel about the China fear mongering right now? I wonder, like, how do they feel about it? Like the way that the U.S. government just like talks about their country, even especially with something like TikTok, for God's sake. If TikTok was not performing well, mark my words, the U.S. government wouldn't even be paying attention to it. If TikTok was just one of those apps that was one of the many rinky-dink apps that are on that Google Play Store that not many people download, but they exist, I bet you the U.S. government wouldn't even be focused on it. Oh my, you know what you reminded me? Biden invited TikTokers to the fucking White House. Like, no. <laughs> election campaign. They gave them, like, their own fucking press briefing, and they told, like, you know, all this bullshit, because they know that it's influential. Of course. Like, that's, that's just so annoying. But, like, I also... Um, the last thing I was going to mention to you, I don't know if you caught, like, there was a representative from Texas and he fucking, he was so fun. Like, that was the funniest. So he said, um, his name was, uh, Randy Weber. And he said, as a conservative from the great state of Texas, I am deeply concerned because every time I use the Tic Tac application, I'm, I am served nothing but dancing homosexuals, fluffers and drag queens. And it kind of went viral. I'll post a link to it um, in the chat. But like that was just bananas. And everybody was pointing out like that he probably didn't know what the algorithm worked like, because if that's all he's getting, <laughs> it might mean that yeah. there's a, some truth there that he has to confront. But uh, dancing, uh, I, you cut out that last part. You said he oh, said sorry. every time he's on the app, there's dancing homosexuals. I served nothing but dancing homosexuals, fluffers, and drag queens. What? I know. I know. I had to mention it. I'm sorry. I know that wasn't, um, but that happened. Uh, Randy Weber, guys. Um, I'll, I put it in the chat. You're welcome. Oh, my God. I remember during the 2020 uh, election, like, I saw a lot of uh, TikTok videos um, where people were, they were making those videos about Andrew Cuomo. This is before we found out Andrew Cuomo was like a real creep. Um, but they were, uh, asking him to be president. And I saw a lot of TikTok videos about that. So uh, it's funny. They didn't seem to have a problem with TikTok back then. Interesting. Mm, it, when it works for them, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah. So. Thank you, Sabi, and thank and uh, amazing show as always. Thank you, thank you so much. All right, Karthik, now is your turn. You are on mic. What's up? Hey, what's up, Sabi? Uh, good Friday evening to you. Good Friday night. Um, 
Well, I do definitely concur with some of what you and other people said earlier tonight that the people in Congress don't know jack shit about technology. I'm sure some people remember, but a few years ago, they had um, the CEO of Google, uh, Sundar uh, Pinchai of uh, Google, and um, the Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, and they were asking uh, the Google CEO questions about iPhone, even though it's owned by Apple, and Google's obviously not Apple. And there's it was something similar with Facebook where they're asking Facebook about questions about Google or Netflix or, you know, some other big uh, tech company. And um, obviously, he, he Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have power over Google. So it just shows how little of these people know about technology, even though they claim to be, you know, the, the, the uh, best and the boldest in the country. It's just really funny to me. Like, I don't... <laughs> I just don't get it. They can at least try to prepare. What do you think about uh, the whole China fear-mongering element that goes along with this? Uh, well, there's a lot of China's face fear-mongering. Obviously, some of it is definitely in racism. I remember like in coronavirus, like the establishment was saying that, that, that if it came from a lab leak, then that means you're racist. But saying that it came from a dirty wet market where Chinese people are dirty or, or they don't know how to clean the, or, you know, be clean or, you know, per, prepare their food, um, you know, cl- clean. That means that that means you're not racist. It just made no sense. And it's obviously it's just a way to try to oppose TikTok. I'm sorry, oppose China through TikTok uh, uh, economically. It's a mess. Let's bring in uh, Noel. What's your take on all of this on the whole TikTok thing? I can just see a lot. Man. Good evening. I think it's really interesting. I see it from both sides. So in the poll, I was unsure because on the one hand, I could see the benefit of trying to um, ban TikTok because it would expose the younger people to just how authoritarian and fascist our government is moving. And then it would also challenge our people to get more in touch with what is really controlling your life in terms of the government. And you know, I think all entertainment is a distraction anyway, and people build obsessions on it. But on the flip side, you know, I realize that it is a powerful means of communication and that is valuable in that sense. And so, you know, I'm like, the only reason they are talking about banning it is to fan the flames of, you know, anti-Chinese sentiments in this country. And to your point, um, when you say, I wonder how Chinese Americans feel like, feel about that effort and energy, I'm sure they feel similarly to when, um, Trump was saying, you know, of the coronavirus that it was the Wuhan flu. And because, but you know, it's an interesting thing because that is what America thrives on. It's all about pegging people and pitting people and this, that, and a third. I mean, even though it seems likely that the coronavirus did emerge from that Wuhan um, lab, there is a connection to the National Institutes of Health and Dr. Fauci and all of that. But when you're dealing in a type of, you know, battle for control over what people think, it really gets ugly. And I think to your point about the Congress people not being prepared, I mean, it's scary to think 
about who is really running this country. Because when you think about it, when people run for Congress, it really does sometimes comes down to a popularity contest. And these people cannot possibly be as knowledgeable as they need to be on all the issues that we are willing to let them legislate on, which is why I think the lobbyists have an outside outsized voice because they're always submitting, you know, prima facie or um, legislation and ideas and this and that as experts because they have an expert interest. And I think, you know, if you don't have a very bright person like Elizabeth Warren comes across as who can be prepped really quickly and catch on to the concepts, I think most of those people are just like, what am I supposed to say? And they end up on these committees for whatever the reason. And they're like, uh, <laughs> duh. So it's and, and it, it gets exposed on the tech issues. But I think that reality permeates all across the board. I mean, I don't think the half of them understand the banking issues and all of this stuff. They're just there. And they're casting votes based on the party line or based on who our enemy is supposed to be. And, you know, that part to me is really frightening. But, you know, with the TikTok, you know, like you say, they're all concerned about TikTok gathering information, but they weren't concerned about Facebook when Facebook had all type of stuff. And, you know, Twitter, they're collecting information and selling it and marketing it and you know, all this type of stuff, because it is about surveillance, surveillance from outside and inside. So, you know, you got to dance with the one you came to the um, prom with. Mm. Well said. Uh, go ahead, uh, Eric. I wanted to get your your take on this, too. Like, to me, I thought, like, by the way, that hearing was like almost four hours long, you guys. <laughs> Did you watch it all? <laughs> I don't no, think so. no. Yeah, I mean it all it all comes back to the to the same old same old things about money running the place. I mean, I would even go go further than what Noelle was saying. I mean, I, I think the lobbyists just basically run Congress. I mean, it's um you know, it it's the money talks. I, I think part of what they're seeing too is I think there's a big push from Silicon Valley from like Meta or these other big companies who would love to buy TikTok. And so <laughs> what better way to, to buy a company than to have Congress force the sale, right? It's like, it's like what better way to, to break a strike than to have Congress break the strike for you? <laughs> it must be nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, R Roger put in a, 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 a Rockfin chat, like right at the very end. You want me to read it now? Yeah, go ahead. All right. This was from Roger Meadows on Rockfin. He put this in like right when we were shutting down. Um, so Roger wrote, uh, like a significant other who has been committing infidelity and always assumes they do it. They think their significant other is doing it. Our Congress reveals their own guilt in questioning. Does China's government store America's data? Sabrina, watching you get frustrated at these dumb computer questions. Now you know how us IT guys feel when you call us to fix your problems. <laughs> then we roll our eyes and sigh. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not there for their brains. 
No, no, they're definitely not. Uh, Karthik, anything else you wanted to add? Yeah. Here? Um, well, in terms of earlier, you said about like what 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 are they doing with our data? Um, well, I feel like I'm, I'm sure we don't know everything, but I think some ways it is obvious what they're doing with, the, with their data is because um, they 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 take our data and then they sell it to uh, advertisers for ad revenue. Like for example, me. Like so, I, I I'm a huge fan of movies. So 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 whenever I, I look up something on Google about you know. Uh, about, the, about any movie, I just get uh, recommended, uh, you know, links to websites about more movies and stuff. Um, so it's just more about, about ad revenue, you know. So and, and that help, and that kind of gets people to stay on their on the websites. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really terrible business model because it's it's like it's like I've heard other people like um, like Cory Doctorow talk about this stuff and and how. To make any kind of money off of this kind of data gathering, data gathering, you have to gather in like reams and reams of, of data and then do all this nefarious shit about, about getting what people want and, and then throwing all these ads at them and all this stuff to get like this tiny little like, like fraction of a percentage of like a, a hit rate of like what people actually will actually respond to that whole system. And like, like he, he likened it to like, like like putting uh, a whole bunch of rags in your garage and then not worrying about like when they're when they're going to explode like like they don't they don't have to deal with all the negative consequences and they're just doing this whole system just to squeeze some money out of it and then the meanwhile you know our privacy gets wrecked right and this is why we've argued before that like Google and like Twitter and all of these these social media sites should actually be just a public utility because nationalize and democratize, right? Right. Because without our data, none of these social media sites would exist. Like none of them, you know? So we're like, just basically like giving them data for free in a sense. And, and they're making a lot of money off of this, but I think that this makes us, you know, think about something. I, I think that Facebook for me, when we were talking about tonight about the, the competition between uh, meta and, uh, TikTok for me, I just think that Facebook after a while, it just started to get really boring. And you can see that like if you go on Facebook now, I don't know how many of you are on Facebook uh, as often as you may be like on Twitter or other sites. It's but if I go on boomers Facebook, now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, we had to do this project where I actually had to tell I had to tell the undergrads that they had to have a Facebook page in order to do the project for the professor and none of them had a Facebook page. And so they were just like, I have to create a Facebook page. They were like, that's not for us. Like nobody uses this anymore. And I was like, oh, wow. And it was a big like wake up call, you know? So I think that, um, I think that people, especially younger people, they're looking for something that's quick. Like, this is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people like Twitter is because of that that character limit, right? Like, say what you need to say very quickly and don't give me a long essay. On Facebook, you can write an actual essay, right? Same thing with TikTok and the YouTube shorts. It's like, just tell me what you need to tell me in like one to two minutes and be done. And then I want to go to another video. So I think, again, this goes back to the whole attention span, how people now have a shortened, a more shortened attention span than they did, let's say, like 15, 20 years ago. And some people, they'll, they'll blame like Twitter for that or some of these other social apps for that. But I think that, I think the days of young people hanging out on Facebook is just not as, as common anymore. 
And I think Facebook is, is, is struggling to compete with an app like TikTok. I mean, also TikTok's fun. Like I don't see people doing dances on Facebook. No, uh, grandma don't dance on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're cool. But to your you know, point, cool grandma. I think it's moving <laughs> us in the wrong direction because all this short attention span is exactly the opposite of what we need if we're going to get people engaged enough to realize that they're being played and to change the system. It does take some deep thought. I think people are moving away from the reading of books because it's not instantaneous gratification. And what you're going to develop is more of a two-tier society where those people who have those advanced skills in terms of intellectual development will be the ones who surface and lead and everybody else is going to be running around the plantation to not have you got this new dance down it's just you know <laughs> i think it's you know it's really um a challenging set of circumstances because it's questioning how we are evolving yes i the last thing i want to say is um i feel like the only situation where i would support banning tiktok is if we can ban like other social media companies, networks, social media networks like Twitter and Facebook, because um, politically and politically, I mean politically and non-politically, I feel like the social media companies have really made the culture wars, political culture wars worse. But also, even regardless of that, they've really destroyed society. You know, like um, it just feels like young people, or whatever, you know, don't know how to make friends, or obviously the people are are reading less. You know. And it's shortened attention spans. I feel like they've really destroyed politics and destroyed our society in a lot of ways, which I'm sure that's doesn't make sense because we're all on call right now. But I, I, I feel like <laughs> social media networks for society, and especially for young, uh, under thirty, under thirty-five, like like my gen- generation, I'm, I'm almost Gen Z. But um, it's it's really destroyed all of us, uh, even if we don't uh, know it yet. Now, what I would propose is that rather than talking about banning things. I would say we look at this and we say, well, do we feel that this is a, a social, well, is, is this something that people want? I mean, I don't think we should really even talk about it as a social good or if it's bad or whatnot, but obviously these services are, are things that people want to use. And so if we feel that, that they are, you know, then we should look at them as utilities. We should, you know, nationalize them. We should democratize their governments, their, their governance and, and how they're controlled. And if you do that, then you can also look at doing things like, of course, open sourcing it all, um, opening up the algorithms, putting it all down to, you know, making it transparent and, and auditable. And then and you, you could basically stop them from using the whole data, data as a business model. You know, they could basically, if, if they're national utilities, then they, they could be just funded out of, out of the, the national dollars. And because and, I, I think that's really a, a big core problem in all this. I mean, these social media sites, they don't even really want to be political. They just want to make money. Yep. And to the extent that they are political and they've gotten political, it's because, you know, forces are trying to use them for their aims. But all they want to do is make money. And, you know, but if they're, if they're good enough to have around, let's nationalize them and fix them. So I and I think you're right, Eric. It is, we like the feature, and what we're really Mm. discussing is banning the collection of data. That's Mm -hmm. what we should be 
across the board for all of them, TikTok and all. And then you would have the virtual playground that these things appear to be in terms of the function they serve. So if we could separate the function and preserve that, but ban the collection and utilization of all that data. And like you say, if that means nationalizing it, let's nationalize it. And, you know, that's how you develop a more egalitarian approach to this stuff. But the reality is everybody, like you say, all of them want to collect data and monetize. Yeah, squeeze yeah. some pennies out of it. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Sinway, yeah. what's going on? Um, Hi. So... Um, I guess with the Facebook, I mean, when we, back when the mentioning of like the attention span, I'm gonna guess that when Facebook was made, the attention span was probably like longer. But well, it ends up just it was made during the time during its time and just well not able to adapt. So, and yeah. the only time I use Facebook is mainly events and because I. Uh, good number of people well mainly like keep up with like what events are happening for example and some people i know use it who are well admittedly much older than me so it's hard for me to even use it for events anymore because like i said a lot of people that i know like i mainly just have facebook like still now because that's actually how I was able to get back in touch with like high school classmates that I hadn't seen in like forever. Like Facebook yeah. connected me and stuff like that. But other than that, like I rarely see, like I rarely see people go on there and post except for like my parents and their friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I use it to connect. It just connect with the people I know. And it's, yeah, it's like I, everyone's else I see posts of like, uh, like, uh, like, I don't know, beautiful scenery or how people are doing in their lives. So, yeah, but about the whole pushes China fears, I put in the comments about how this is going to be, this is going to become a repeat of like what happened to Muslims after 9-11. And I'm sure one of the speakers did bring up or one of the callers brought up how, um, well, other people that look Chinese are also going to end up suffering. I mean, even before that, I remember how when Japan, people were like, I don't know, like the people, people were getting angry at Japan because they were, the country was being the U.S. in technology. And there was violence, retaliate. There was like retaliation on against them. So, ugh, this is. I yeah, mean, that's an interesting point. That's something I'm I'm worried about because I noticed there was some of that retaliation during the pandemic here too. Yeah. So, I myself, I'll admit, um, I don't have the look of one, even though I'm half Chinese, but. Uh, hearing about hearing and how if I do end up seeing these attacks, I'm the well, I definitely would feel just unsafe. Like, I'm like, I have to hide or something if, like, say, or it, it's that kind of complication seeing this well, rise in paranoia, red scare. Uh, of China. That's why I don't like when people keep referring 
it as the Chinese Communist Party. I don't like that. Yep. You can just say China. Mm. Go ahead, Rob. Hey. Um, so I have two theories as to why Facebook went down. One, it was a place where you guys were, you know, the millennials were, until your baby boomer parents showed up. So just like, <laughs> say, like you're at young people, teenagers, whatever, at a party, and they're having a good time, and then you, and then next thing you know, your parents come in, you say, "Hey, I want to party with y'all." You're like, "Oh hell no, we're out." Mom, so that's what you, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, hold mom and dad and and aunt. Ella and Uncle John are here. Oh, no, we're out. We're done. Boom. Go on to the next thing. So they went to Twitter. My other theory that I think happened is what happens when a, with a lot of companies that get where the owner gets greedy and they decide that they want to go public. Okay, that pub going public thing, letting your letting your greed get the um, ahead of you has is a double edged sword. Because once you give your company over to shareholders, your company is no longer yours. And now they're just going to pimp you. So what happens is when your company was yours, you can take risk. You can be like, I can innovate. I can try this thing. I could try that thing. Once shareholders start hearing that, they're like, whoa, 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 hold up there now. Hold up. We, we, we bought this company based on stability because they like shareholders like stability. They don't like you going off the ranch and trying new things. Okay. Cause now that's their company. You're messing with their money. Okay. So now they're forced, the former owners who are working for the shareholders now got to play it boring. And that's take a look at every company that went public. You know what I mean? Um, you saw what happened with Russell Simmons when he was on the cover of Black Enterprise where Russell goes public back in the 90s. And a little bit after that, look what happened. Uh, Def Jam was no more. Okay. Now you said, Sabrina, that um, Facebook started getting boring in 2013. They went public in 2012. So I think that lines up. Um, but um, also, yeah, yeah, Eric, I agree. Going, They need to go... Um, need to be nationalized. The problem is the government doesn't want to nationalize it because the thing is, they, 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 they're like, I, I remember these two guys getting interviewed on like another show, whatever. Oh, they, they, like two former congressmen. And it's like, oh, you don't want to go, you don't want to nationalize because then you get into all different types of free speech issues. I, I interpreted that as then we won't be able to uh, censor through proxy. Whereas if we nationalized it, then we can't censor it because the Constitution protects them. So that so with it not being nationalized, that gives them a cover to censor through proxy. So why would they want to nationalize it? You know, so that's the conundrum that we're in. I mean, the other thing I just say about Facebook is while we're we're talking like all these things like it's dead or dying, you know, it it may have had some user base shrinking and, and shifting, Facebook is still a, a huge thing. I mean, there are still literally billions of users on it. And, and Meta, 
you know, even above that is just a huge giant. So, so don't, don't be thinking these places are, are going away or, or shrinking anytime soon. These huge companies. I think they serve different needs. I think people yeah. really do connect and, and Facebook is really more of social media where people be planning family reunions and class reunions and, you know, that group dynamic, whereas TikTok is more really entertainment. Yeah, because I think I think the thing that happened with Facebook is like to Roger's point, like people's parents started to join and and all that kind of stuff. And I get that, too. But like for me, the turnoff moment was when I got a Facebook request from like my boss. Oh, and that for me, I was like, why? And how did you find me? And why? Like, it just it just and felt so. She got a, a request from a friend of her mother's. It just felt so impersonal because my, my Facebook is more like my Twitter is, is not even personal. Like most of the time on Twitter, I'm ranting about like politics or something. Every now and then I might post something silly. Like early today, I posted about my teeth. But other than that, like my Twitter is not personal. My Facebook is personal. And like I didn't want then you're put in an uncomfortable position because like if I don't accept the friend request, then it looks kind of shitty because she is my boss and now she thinks, oh, she doesn't like me or whatever. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, if I do accept the friend request, now you're going to see my personal life. Like, I don't want you to see me like taking shots at the bar with my friend and be like, oh, is that why you called out the other day? <laughs> I don't want to see you. Like, I don't mm. want you to see like pictures of like me and like my friends and, and, and just being silly or whatever. And I just, I, it was, it, Facebook was a little bit more personal for me. So to me, it was just like, it was a turnoff once I got a friend request from my boss. And that doesn't yeah. happen to me on TikTok. <laughs> oh, for that matter, uh, bosses looking through your social media, whether before you get hired or while you're on the job, determining whether or not you're going to stay with the company. That's uh I mean, I it's a double-edged sword and a balancing act, but... Well, what's the fine line? What's yeah, the exactly. Line? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the... And I'll pass it to you, Roger. What's the fine line there? Because some supervisors have no problem with that. Um, I mean, at my last place of employment, like, everybody was friends with each other on Facebook, and I was like, really? <laughs> like, I don't know you guys like that. Like... So it was, it was, it's just kind of weird. I mean, like some people feel like there's no line with that and I kind of do. Yeah. Go ahead, Roger. Um, bad cookies, um, distracted me with wanting to see your spring break, uh, Facebook page up. So I, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's another reason why you can't come on my Facebook page. <laughs> You can't see that. I don't want people seeing that stuff either. There's pictures of like me and my friends oh. like doing shots and stuff and all kind of things. Now I remember what I was gonna say. You'll never know why you never got called for that job back. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? They'll they'll just no, they just never call. Hey, how come? Hey, is anything wrong? They, you know, you wondering why they never call back because they look they saw you on social media. You know, checking that out. Wilding out in spring break, like you never know. So it's like, you know, for me, that's just yeah. a, that's a line I don't really, I don't really cross. Like even with um, even with like friends of the show, like on YouTube, like I don't, 
I don't accept their request for my personal Facebook. Like I'll tell them like, you can follow like the Savvy Sabs page on Facebook, but like, I don't know you like that, bruh. <laughs> oh no. You might see a picture and try to use it against me. You know her as Savvy Sabs, but this is when she was at spring break. <laughs> Savvy goes wild. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh my God. <laughs> Just yeah. keeping it forget the drag queens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and it's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I know of a, a former employee that did that. Like she friend requested everyone in the office on Facebook and me too. And I told her, I said, I don't, I don't do that with like coworkers, but apparently she had some pretty racist shit, like on her Facebook page one day, oh, this was during the, the, um, when Trump was running for 2020. And um, she had something up in there about like, and, and keep in mind, she is an immigrant, but she was saying like, I don't want those immigrant Mexicans here. And like people in the office, all those people that she had friend requested, like they saw it and they like all turned against her and like, she yeah. didn't get fired, but let's just say she was pushed out. Hmm. So. Yeah, that backfired. <laughs> you never know. Sunway, let me ask you a question. How did you feel um, about the during the pandemic, uh, I, I don't think it was it was kind of during the pandemic about when they passed the Asian hate crime bill, and a lot of us in the black community felt that they were using um, black people to get that law passed. So they would show images on on social media uh, yeah. of black people beating up was... Asian people and so on and so forth. When in reality, FBI statistics show that Black people are the biggest victims of any type of hate crime. I, I you know, I just oh, yeah. want to get your input on that or what you thought about that. Uh, well, it's pretty scummy, especially showing it with the media. Showing My bad, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was well it was scummy of them, so I just show mainly just black people attacking Asians and especially those major news stories. So another example, divine conquer for sure. And this would be an opportunity for everyone to come together on, well, especially the class lines of, Hey, the system is screwing both of us, screwing both of us to just screwing both of us. I yeah. would say. Well, yeah, no, I agree. Th this is true, but a lot of a lot of times, um, which a lot of times when so, I, I I remember I was telling well, I was telling Lucy before like she didn't know this, but the only reason are you familiar with the um the 1924 Immigration Act? Yeah, a bit. Um, does it? correspond with the Chinese anti-Chinese like anti-Chinese like the Chinese weren't allowed to immigrate something like that maybe that was a one from the 1800s but the but it was based on keeping America Exclusion, white yeah. so what it did oh was, yeah it based it on the 18, it based it on the 1890 census that put a ban on those 
who are not from white European countries from immigrating here. Of okay. course. Okay. So the 1965, the 1965 Immigration and Naturalization Act lifted that ban. So they they did it on the back of the civil rights movement. And I think what it was mm-hmm. was like the what's the word? The, the intent of like, you know, civil rights, Dr. King and so on and so forth. Um, I don't know if he said this directly, but I guess it was implied. The intent was to, to uh, get more people of color here to fight uh, against uh, white supremacy. But what ended up happening was a lot of them who, who, when that ban was lifted, a lot of them came here and was just like, I ain't trying to fuck with y'all Negroes. I'm trying to get mine. <laughs> so that divide was already there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of times they they tell people when they come here, don't don't mess with black people. You know, don't don't mess with yeah. don't mess with the American Negro. They're, they're bad. I they're also this they that, and a lot yeah. of them already believe it. Like you know, here's also another thing that didn't help. Apparently, so just, you know, like, <laughs> yes, but another thing that didn't help was that they were mainly emphasizing and encouraging middle class or to upper class Chinese people, those that already have money to come to the US. Yeah, I heard about that. As well. So that did not help. I'm sure this was the case with other Asian countries as well, where they again emphasized those with actually not just the money but also that were in skilled labor. So, like, white, especially, like, white-collar education-based jobs. So, because that's kind of the case with my my grandparents and then on my dad's side. And then in the Philippines, that was mainly because we, a number of my relatives were, like, in the military or, like, in the Navy. So, they used that to get the rest of the family into the U.S. So, <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Simway, thank you so much. I want to uh, keep the line moving. No, no problem. Um, have a good night. Thank you. You too. Okay, let's bring in uh, Daniel. Daniel, you're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Uh, can you hear me? I can I hear you great. Okay. Um, the real story isn't about China stealing your techno- uh, data. It's about China influencing you. It's about how we use, um, not TikTok, but uh, Twitter and Facebook to influence uh, political uh, speak around the world. That's what this conversation, that's what all this TikTok talk is about. Because um, Ryan Grimm, right before he left the Hill, had one of his um, talking point segments about TikTok um, political speeches, like the Kyle Kalinskis and all the other political, how they were being censored out the wazoo. And... Um, and that's what this is really about. There's, it's basically when I hear, oh, TikTok is spying on you. Well, you have, if you, if you have a smartphone, if you're listening to this conversation, my voice right now, you are being spied on. Yeah. You literally, when, when I hear people like they're worried about a chip being put into them, into their body, 
they don't need to put an RFID tag into you. All they need to do is just follow your cell phone around. That's it. Right. That's and what I keep telling people is like, if you have a smartphone, that's a wrap. Um, I left three books in the comments. And I also wanted to point out Noel's uh, observation of how we are losing our attention span. I c forgot the name of the author and the book, but the author wanted to get rid of, stay, get, uh, keep the phone and everything out of their lives. And it took them like uh, a month just to detox from social media. So we are losing our attention span, literally. Even I notice I lose my attention span even more. That is being noticed. And it is happening to me. It's happening to everyone, especially if you have a smartphone device. Well, I will say I noticed like on my birthday, like I posted that it was my birthday and then I hopped off. Oh, Roger, can you mute for a second? Sorry. Um, I noticed um, on my birthday, I, I posted earlier that day. I was like, it's my birthday, you know, peace out. And I wasn't on Twitter for the rest of that day until like later on that night. I think I may have liked a post or something like that. But it was a very different type of day like just not being on social media for that many hours. And I felt like I got so much of my time back, to be honest with you. Yeah, I do the same thing when I uh, go out and ride my bicycle. I do take pictures, but my honey complains that I don't post them on Facebook or anything. And it's just because I just never really get around to it. And second, half the time, I'm just keeping the phone with me in case of emergency. Um, I did have TikTok for a while, and there's, like, this feature on the app, or I don't know if it's still there, how you can, like, see ghosts with. Like, I think it's called, it recognizes body movement or something, like uh, like the, um, I'm trying to think of that video game console, Kinect, uh, Kinect where you can, um, it's not the, the, it's not the Nintendo Wii, but it's the, um, the response to the Nintendo Wii, to where you do the body movement. And one of these features were that you can actually see ghosts with. And I just happened to live in a haunted apartment. Oh, dear. And I wanted, and I wanted to see that I could see some of the ghosts. When we were having, we used to have this ghost cat. They would, you would hear this kitty meow. We always wondered, is it coming from the building of the apartment above or apartment below? And I turned it on and I think I saw it once or twice on the app. Well, I was I will like, not, oh, there uh, it is. Yeah, I will not be using that feature of the app. <laughs> I don't want to know, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Um, CGF. I, I just. Yeah, but that's the only time. it. But the real story. And let me tell you those books before I let you go. What they are. Hold on. Because I saved them. Okay, this one is about Chinese police state. Um, I know people here are more pro-China than they are anti-China. I look at the, the Chinese uh, current political regime as a negative one, including how they oppress things like Fulong Gong. So the name, the author is Jeffrey Kane, 
the perfect police state and an undercover odyssey into China's terrifying surveillance, surveillance dystopia of the future. That's a, one book that you should look into. It actually sort of uh, explains to me when uh, Max Blumenthal was in um, in in um, east in um, eastern no western. I'm trying to think western China where the Uyghurs live and how he never saw um, a um, a camp uh, a concentration camp. It's because this is. He, when he was visiting, that was when the uh, the AI surveillance state was on there. The second book I recommend is uh, James Banfull, Spy for, Fail, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America Counterintelligence, where how some of our computer um, viruses attack got onto the open web and stuff like that, and how... North Korea attacked uh, Sony. Yeah, but I think most of the attacks are happening right here among us. I mean, Edward Snowden showed us that like the NSA was like watching people like through our webcams on our laptops. So I I think a lot of the spying is happening right here. No, no, I'm not. Yeah, but guess where North Korea got that spy where they got it from our intelligence agencies. And I think the third one I recommend is is uh, there's like three authors, I think Lauren Richard, Sandrin Drive, and Rachel, well, Rachel Mandel writes the opening. And it's called Pegasus, How a Spy in Your Pocket Threatens the End of Privacy and Dignity and and Democracy. And they go basically into the um, Israeli spyware and how that all started and there and those are three books that I think if you're going to explore more this stop, topic about spying and stuff, those are the three books that you should go into. Interesting. All right, Daniel, we can check those out. I did uh, post um, them in the uh, feed, so I didn't post the link, but just copy and paste it, and that should help. But it when I hear this stories about spying, I know it's about influencing other peoples around the world. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. All right. Well, you have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. I'm going to bring in Frank. Frank, it's been a hot minute. You're on the mic. You just have to unmute. And glad to see you back here. I know you had some um, issues with the app before. What's going on? Hi, hi, Sabby. Um, yes, I did have some apps. I, I had to I had to uninstall the app um, and, and uh, reinstall, and then then uh, um, I had to change my uh, handle. So now I'm uh, Blue Mafia sucks, Red Mafia, or Blue Mafia blows, Red Mafia sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I I I've I have. I've had this idea of uh, uh, the possibility of uh, um, maybe you or RBN or somebody um, um, we could coordinate some research efforts. I, you know, I see Roger doing some some research that you've uh, commented on um, with with ballot initiatives. Um, you know, we we've got people in other states that could actually do this research and just 
put it all into one uh, folder of you know pick pick your pick your drive to do that, and um, and other people could do these types of research um, and make a community project. You know, it could like um, one idea I had is um, okay, all the the work you know Matt Taibbi isn't uh, doing saying anything about uh, um, you know, small account leftists, and we could actually put a bunch of screenshots together and make it into a, uh, you know, stitch them together and make a video out of them. Like, I, I think that could be hours long, by the way, <laughs> of all, all the people that were, uh, of, and um, just like uh, audits of, uh, you know, of uh, bankers regulations and, and other reg regulatory agencies that uh, are supposed to be audited and, and aren't. How, how is each state doing? I know Colorado doesn't audit these in, in at least 20 years, which is in violation of their statutes. And, you know, some other ideas that we could uh, uh, pull together um, things and, and um, you know, you know, you know, do it uh, periodically, a monthly every every other month or so and and put put together a project like that. So um, we could do news projects like that. I just wonder what you thought. Um. Honestly, realistically, I don't have the bandwidth to take on other projects anytime soon because I'm already yeah. attached to other things. Yeah, um, too. <laughs> yeah, but definitely something I can probably revisit in the future. Yeah. Well, we could make it easy for those who do the uh, who do the YouTube shows. Yeah, that that's was my thinking, and the you know the long term make it would make it make Sabby's life a lot easier by having you know hundreds of, right. of viewers doing it and working on things. Yeah, right. So, I mean, so Frank, your your corruption? Are you Frank Corruption Control? Frank, yeah. Or? Yes. Oh, that's okay. Me. Yep. I don't know why your voice sounds different from when I last time, but I got a whole. If if you saw the stuff. Like stuff comes into my head, and then I run to the computer, and and type it out. Yeah. If you, if you see the things that I got waiting, like all that stuff you're talking about, I got them behind the gate, just waiting to 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 come out. Okay. So I I I did the the work on that. I mean, you know, not saying that anyone else can't do any work or whatever, but I got tons of stuff that I could already like boom. He, you know, here you go, whatever. But I want to ask you: Were you able to get in contact with um, Earl? I haven't yet. I've actually been working on a, um, a, a um, response that I, I, I believe I talked about last time. I was able to call in. Um, we're suing for records and to get rid of that agency that uh, created uh, the allowed for ketamine and they even say in their website that they're still trying to get around the loopholes and make loopholes to get around it so that they can do the ketamine again and other drugs and that they shouldn't be. Um, so, um, so I've been working on that this week and I'll probably work into it, you know, at least the first half of next week. So, but I will, I will give her all a call. Yes. Oh, cool. 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 Yeah, Cause I got, a, he... I got his phone number in my phone and I, I will call him. Yep. Thanks. Cool. Because I, I saw um, the legislature is talking about doing um, a home rule bill to give home rule to uh, municipalities in Colorado to charter yeah. their own public banks. So I saw yeah. that. 
Yep, but, we are uh, a home rule state, so those those uh, cities can do what they want. They can even violate state law. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so I mean that that would be something. Even though ultimately I I want a state one to to because like when it comes to things that are like something like single payer that that would have that would need to be like a state thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And municipal banks would just be supporting municipal things, you know, but yep. stuff that you need to pass at a, on a statewide basis, you would need like a state bank to, to do it or whatever. But, yeah. I was just throwing it out there. Okay. Awesome. Frank, what's your opinion on this issue with TikTok? Do you think TikTok should be banned from the U.S.? I, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed that American Congress is wanting to ban a corporation. <laughs> <laughs> and now now it's now it depends on what corporations own them <laughs> of course they they do their you know they, these licensing scams are all about protecting existing corporations from competing so um <laughs> that's all they're about and I, I i will get back to writing on those as well on on my blog and share those with you but um, I, I, I think, you know, the same problems with TikTok are, exist with, uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and, and, and all these others, but, uh, they're, you know, they don't address them. And, and when they, when they address the, the, those, those issues, it's to attack us instead of doing, you know, putting some regulations on the corporations to not, you know, collect our data. Or, or at least pay us for collecting that data and give us the choice. You, you know, right. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would prefer for all of these, all of these sites to be uh, a public utility. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. And I haven't been on Facebook in a, like a couple of years for, for 18 months, they would put me in a 30, 30 day uh, ban. And then within a week, they would start, you know, I'd get, when I'd be out of Facebook jail, it would be someone from the Democratic Party. And he, he, one person that was assigned to me, I think, um, and he, this guy even said that, you know, he came out and said that he was doing it. He works for the Denver Clerk and Recorder. He's a Democrat. And um, he was he was the one banning my account, just reporting it. I hadn't done anything wrong. It, it was, it been but he did it for 18 straight months. And um, so I really haven't been on Facebook um, after they've done done that for a year, you know, over a year and a half. So. You should have told them. Yeah. I'm surprised I haven't been put in Facebook jail at some point or another. Um, <laughs> given some of the things I've put on Facebook in reference to foreign policy, I'm surprised they haven't, uh, I haven't been put in. I honestly think it's because I'm not, I'm just, I'm not on there as much, you know, like I used to be and stuff yep. like that. And it probably just flies under the radar. <laughs> I used to go on the state representatives or city councilors or the governor and the attorney general and district attorneys and tell them the, the laws that they're violating. Cause I, <laughs> I would do records requests and I would say, I want to see the documents uh, proving that you followed this statute, and I'd quote the statute, and and then they would come back with nothing, which means that they weren't doing their jobs. <laughs> so, and then I would put that on Facebook, and it, they would hate 
that that's why they would go after me <laughs> so I'm proving that they're not doing their jobs so you should be you should be like I'm an independent voter is this how you want to treat us swing voters yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually being blocked by my state representative right now and she's one of those uh, DSA members that is a uh, um you know fake they're not supposed to do AOC. that Using a, you're right. I know. I'm. I'm going to be suing her probably next week. <laughs> they do though. Um, they do. They do though, Roger. Some of them do block people. Yeah. 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 That's just violating your First Amendment right. So you can take them. AOC got taken to court for that, and she had to unblock people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she was. She has been the only case that went to trial. Uh, for the George Floyd protests so that they could give her extra publicity so they could get her in office. <laughs> uh, you know, there's been 45 cases and she's been the only one. They put a bunch of other people around her, but um, she's the only one that's gone to trial. 20, I think uh, 23 have actually been of those cases in, in federal court have been uh, settled. Um, yeah. I think there's still 22 or so that, that are still still out, um, you know, um, you know, planning to go to trial. But uh, she got the ACLU behind her, and so she got it for free. And then, so um, it's, how, I, they rigged the entire federal judiciary just just to get her into office and give her more publicity. <laughs> wow. They keep calling that out and ask her why did that happen and. You know, she doesn't like it. <laughs> wow. I yeah. totally hear you. Well, I think that, you know, I mean, this will be, I think this will be very telling. Now, someone did tell me that even if they do like ban TikTok in the U.S., that you can still access it using a VNC. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't use TikTok. Um, I've, I've been on Twitter and I'm, I still have one Facebook account, but um yeah, I don't use TikTok, um, so I don't know. <laughs> I go on there, like, but I, I honestly, I watched videos on there more than I post videos on there. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to get better about that, but um, some of the videos are really funny. You know, banning, you know, banning a banning. site like that would would be a, a huge and, and dangerous step. Like, like actually, actually doing actually that, doing and, that like, and like the mechanics of that, and yeah. it, it's. It, it would that would like like that's like a that's crossing some some real serious lines. Yeah, I don't know if, how many too. of them have, have considered what what that would really mean? You meant to say yeah. you meant to say VPN, Sabby. <laughs> you said VNC, the thing that allows you to remote into someone's computer. Oh, so <laughs> you got VNC on the brain because we use that in our setup. <laughs> See, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, 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 banning TikTok would uh, would be a really good uh, free speech rights lawsuit against the federal government for doing that. <laughs> TikTok would sue them for free speech. Like they, these people do not believe in free speech; they just don't. And then it technically be very very then it yeah. would be an invitation for other nations to start banning apps that um, emanate from the U.S. Mm. And they would. <laughs> now they, you know, they do a lot of that in China. That like they call it like the the Great Firewall of China. 
where they 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 ban a lot of stuff and it's it's not it's not a good you know you know that's not a system and a society you want to be in where where the government just just goes to those lengths to to prevent you from seeing sites you know, it's like it's like at your work where they where they block sites it's like it's not good <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine that. Well, Frank, thank you so much. I want to uh, go to uh, Phantomos. Okay. Thanks, Abby. Thanks. All right. Phantomos, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Good evening. Um, I haven't, I haven't talked to her in a bit. I just want to talk about the TikTok thing. I think, uh, I think that this is all basically a diversion. And the reason why I say that is because I believe that um, uh, with TikTok, there's so many people, Democrats and Republicans already stationed over there, that they would never want to bring that thing down because uh, it's benefiting them and their traffic. I just think it reminds me of what it reminds me of is the PMRC wars. Someone will come up and they'll do like a uh, show trial and they'll say, hey, you know, we got to do something about these rock groups and these metal groups. And then they put the sticker on it or whatever, and they go about their business. So I think that's what's going to happen here with uh, TikTok. It's just going to be another uh, example of just uh, opinion, opinion after opinion, and just more diversions. But I don't think anyone's going to do anything. And to Eric's point about uh, nationalizing uh, social media apps, well, you can do that. But the problem with that is, is that the next time you sign on a social media app, they're going to have the digital con- they have the digital contract right in front of you. And people just sign it right away without looking at it. So they'll get it right back no matter what. And they can do that. And that's what's going to happen over and over and over again with these tech companies. They are the overlords that we will likely never uh, defeat. What do you mean digital contract? Because that usually applies to a company, not, not a government. No, no. When you sign the agreement. When you sign the agreement and when, they sign, when you look at all of the fine print and say, you're going to give your data away. Every single time they can put that in court and say, yeah, but you you agreed to it. And so that's the problem with the, that we're going to be facing with a lot of these companies. And that's the reason why, you know, we're in the situation that we're in. But if it was nationalized, the government couldn't like, hey, we're going to give your stuff away or whatever the case is. That's like privacy uh, issues. Well, what would happen, and I would see it in terms of nationalization, would be a complete change to the business model. In that you know you would get rid of the corporate capitalist owners, and they're out of the picture. And the owner, the owners become essentially all of us, but you know, essentially through through the government or through a, a democratic governance. And so, it, it, what we would imagine is then you wouldn't have these kind of, of terrible terms of services. I think society is so herded that we just want to get. Uh, the shiny things, and we'll just continue to chase after that. And I think that's the problem with TikTok and all of these social media apps, because that's basically what's happening right now. We, we'll just keep chasing the most uh, vapid things around us. And that's how these tech companies, that's how they always win in the end. Well, I mean, I think this is why we, we need a, a mass movement that where, where we think bigger, you know, and where we think, you know, what, what is is our image of a better world? You know how what what would that look like? What could make those things better? And so you know what I always come back to is what's driving all this terribleness is you know the big money is is we, we basically are in an oligarchy. And so 
you know, I, I feel like that's the root of this whole thing that we're going to have to deal with and, and tackle. And if we don't do that, then then I do agree that everything's going to going to stay in the shit, you know, unless we do that. And then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. Um, and then here, here's the. Um, you also have like the the unknown factor, um, which I've seen working in technology, you know, all my adult life. Things that you think you see coming, the way technology jumps, making other things obsolete, right? So think of it in the sense of, uh, all right, so we had, I don't know if maybe some of you guys might remember this, but remember back when they was trying to make uh, the laser disc like a big thing and people were going, oh yeah, that's going to be the new thing or whatever, whatever. I had one. It's, it's gathering to... dust in my basement. <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit. Yeah, yeah. So you saw what happened. Everyone, the the industry was pushing like, oh yeah, laser disc, Philip Magnavox laser disc, and the technology just jumped right over it and went straight to DVD. And then we, and then after that, we started talking about the USB flash drives, and it, the, the capacity kept getting bigger, 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 and then it stopped because then we went to just we jumped over it and going to cloud storage. Or when you had the VCRs and you kept getting better VCRs and then we went to DVRs and then the DVR became obsolete because now we just have a, we either DVR online DVR service or we just, I don't need a DVR. I could just download the app from ABC and just watch it anytime or YouTube or whatever the case is. So you always have that with, with the, with the, te- with technology, it's always unknown. Like this stuff that we're talking about right here can just be made completely irrelevant because there could be something new that like comes along and making all of this kind of like, you know, irrelevant pretty much like technology always does, you know, but that's just my you know personal uh, thing, whatever my two cents. <laughs> well, I think the issue that we're going to come across is uh, more and more. You're going to see a disruption with the streams uh, no matter what, because of the uh, the issues with uh, what you're saying on these apps. And it's just going to continue to be more and more of a hassle to get on. And I can see that happening more and more often. I, in fact, I noticed that happening a lot on the TikTok lives. Um, and it's happening more and more. And the way they censor people is absolutely on some Orwell shit. Uh, what are you, you saying? Could, you saying like people are having difficulty like joining the TikTok lives? What, what I'm saying is a lot of times like the live is really uh, glitchy, and if they're saying something of value or of importance, this is where you know things can freeze up, things can lock up. I mean, they can do all kinds of things uh, when people start getting, I guess you could say, a bit rowdy. I know someone who's just gotten banned for. Uh, uh, just uh, moving around too much or, or something like that. This kind of uh, filter that they have on, on these, on, or these, filter, these filters that they're going to continue to build on these apps are just going to get crazier and crazier. Uh, because also there's so much competition with people doing these lives. That's the whole other thing as well. So, you know, content creators, there's a huge war uh, into itself where it concerns that. Yeah, I haven't even, I've never even watched a TikTok live, to be honest. <laughs> well, 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 Savvy, to give you an idea of like what, one of the reasons why I think uh, TikTok is more beneficial than not, 
So I was on a TikTok live last night and just, just stumbled on it. And it was just uh, two people uh, suffering from keloids. And they started talking about their troubles. And one of the things that was really interesting to me was like the level of uh, when they started talking about how many surgeries they had and then uh, how, how many times uh, the, uh, the issue with the scar tissue would come back and then how the origins of those keloids. But what was interesting to me about all of that was the fact that the, it brought in so many people on that particular subject and they were able to like this, this woman who was suffering had actually given like a whole uh, suggestion in terms of uh, remedies for, for these people in the chat who, who maybe they couldn't get on to speak because it was late or whatever. But what was really eye opening to me was the fact that the reason why they were on so late in the, late in, or early in the morning rather was because of uh, the suffering of uh, keloids. They couldn't sleep. Right. And, uh, they just had to get up and uh, speak their truth, I guess. That's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think that like some people, I think, I don't know. I'm going to try to see if I can watch a TikTok live. Like I'll, I'll, you know, be more like conscious of that. But I think that you're right. Like I, I do think a lot of these apps are making it harder, more difficult for people. Like I know so many people that have been banned from TikTok is crazy. Like, People like I complain about the censorship on YouTube. I complain about the censorship on Twitter, although um, eh, in some ways it's better after Elon in some ways it's not like it doesn't seem to be consistent. But I will say that like the censorship on tip TikTok is like way harsher, like RBN, like we've been banned on TikTok, like the RBN account that was on TikTok was banned mm. because like we posted it was a. um a clip from a live stream or something like that, where it was that clip that went viral on Twitter, where it was Zelensky, uh, like um, he was doing stand-up comedy or something like that. And we posted it on TikTok and like, boom, just like that, like we got banned. Midwestern Marks has been banned on TikTok multiple times. And like, mm. they've talked about this before on Twitter because they usually talk about like, you know, communism and socialism, things like that. Um, so in a sense, it seems like, like another thing too, like you can't, they are strict about the music, the uh, music copyright on TikTok, by the way, guys, if you even use just a little snippet of someone else's song and it's not one of those tunes that they already have on TikTok, they will get you for that too. And I'm like, damn, like they'll just get rid of you. Like no <laughs> warning, nothing. I mean, here's a question for you. Like, do you care? Do you care? Oh. Is TikTok even worth dealing with as far as getting lefty ideas out there? Yes, because that's where, so. yeah. yes, that audience is huge. It's bigger than Facebook. It's big, like, that's the thing. Like, especially if we're trying to reach the younger people, which is what those of us it are. Is, being, but, like, that's what we're trying to do is to reach. We're trying to reach the younger people. Like, I mean, and that's, that's where not they what are. they're going on there for, though. No, that's that, not that's not true. Midwestern Marx has gone viral multiple times just talking about communism and socialism. Eric, let me give you an idea. There's this woman who who's named the Cosmopolitan and she goes live on TikTok every week and she averages 10,000 people in the room every single time. She's already getting more than celebrities and she's talking politics and class. So, so, I, so I take it that's that's more like a long form 
live? Yeah, the yeah, live is basically a show. I guess when I think of TikTok, I just think of like yeah, a, see, minute, a minute maximum or something. I, I guess what I should explain is since uh, for, for over like slightly over a year, TikTok has expanded to the TikTok live platform mm. rather than like the short like 30 second videos. And it's a live stream basically. But to me, one of the reasons why I always want to get people on the left is I think the, the algorithm is different there. And you can build up an audience much faster in terms of networking and uh, and social media and just Patreon subscri- subscriptions and all of that. So I think a lot of people on the left, <clears throat> to me, are missing out quite a lot because you're seeing a lot more and more people come over there and do their lives. And even though there's the burden of whatever, it's just that their algorithm, uh, it's just so much easier to get more people in. It's easier to go uh, viral on TikTok than it is any other one yeah. of these apps. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a girl, I, I interviewed her like way back in the day when I first started my show, um, Brittany Joy. So like, I interviewed her about uh, basically the mass exodus from California to Texas. So she was one of those people that had just made that move. And so she came on to talk about that. But she's like, you know, she does vlogs and like those kind of things and stuff like that. And there are some people on YouTube who do vlogs who do really, really well, like doing those just vlogs, right? She started a TikTok account not that long ago. And she was talking about this recently on her YouTube channel. She went viral on TikTok actually pretty fast. And she said, she's like, guys, I already have like over 70,000. She was able to get that many followers on TikTok and she's been doing her YouTube channel is got to be for a little over a little bit over two years now, just because yeah. when I interviewed her. So on YouTube, she has a little bit over 2000 subs and she's been doing it for over two, a little over two years. She's very consistent, always posting the videos and stuff like that. She jumped on TikTok doing the same like stuff that she does on YouTube and she went viral like that. So she was able to get more followers on TikTok and now she's able to make money on TikTok. Sabrina. Oh, is, it, is it viable, you know? Yeah, because that's where the larger audience is. Like, that's the thing. Like, this is the thing. This is why, like, some of us get frustrated when there are actions, direct action, and there's like these worker-like events that are happening and people who have the larger YouTube shows don't even don't even mention it. We're not even saying they have to bring those people on, but they don't even shout it out. And we get frustrated because more people don't end up knowing about it because the people who have like, you know, hundreds and thousands of subscribers don't even mention it to their audience and we don't have the same audience. So it doesn't get as much support as it could have. So that's a big part of the problem. So if you are on something like TikTok and you go on there and you do like a Midwestern Marks and you do go viral with that message, yeah, you are going to reach way more people. Right. But if if they ban you every time you say anything real, then you're not going to be on TikTok. You know, that's kind of the problem. (laughs) I mean, it depends because there are people on TikTok that just talk about politics. Yeah. There are people on TikTok that talk about socialism and they're not banned. So it, it depends. Like with Midwest remarks, like I would have to know like exactly what they said. But I, I will say, I think once you get banned once, they're probably going to be gunning for you. So. 
that's that's why I kind of question how viable it is as as a tool for the real left. Yeah, but the thing is, that can happen with any app. That can happen with YouTube. That can happen with Twitter. Like we can get banned on any one of these sites like tomorrow. All they have to do is just change the rules, which YouTube changes their rules every year. So that's the thing. But the thing is with TikTok, because a lot of times, especially just the videos are so short, even if you got banned, by the time they got banned, it was too late because the message already went viral. I have to say it's interesting how TikTok gives leniency to um, a lot of left commentators where, whereas like with Rumble, <laughs> with Rumble, the fact is, is you just make a video or whatever you want to make. And if it's slightly uh, too critical of the right, immediately they're, they're like uh, just a, <laughs> their memory hole in your whole video, you know? Um, so, so to me, it's so, so Eric, one thing I would say is the problem is, is that if more and more people don't take advantage of apps like this, the hole that's filled will come in with all the democratic centrists and all the propagandists and they'll get, they'll be getting all the viewers and a lot of people will just uh, be going to their lives to hate watch or <laughs> whatever. And then that, that's a problem. So that's the reason why I think those types of apps are, uh, are definitely needed in that space. Yeah. Cause even that woman who was a uh, part of that, uh, what was it? The, I forget her name. Um, Nia, Ninkovich or whatever. I forget her name. She was a part of that uh, school of, I forget the woman's name. She, Nia Jankovich, like she went away very quickly, but like she, that message that she was saying about um, the misinformation, what was it? Harry Poppins. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she was another one. She went viral on TikTok and got that message out to a lot of people. I don't hear much from her now, but, but then also, when the conflict between Russia and Ukraine like first started, a lot of that Ukraine like propaganda was spread on TikTok. Um, in terms of Rumble, um, it does seem like like Glenn Greenwald and um, and um, or Russell Brand are really uh, doing quite well over there, and they're certainly not right wingers, and I think they have plenty of criticism on the right. I think when they start with like the little fish of the left, if you if you're like a little fish of the left, they'll 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 put you in a special section. That's what's happening with a lot of uh, commentators I'm noticing on Rumble, especially yeah. a lot of the shows we're listening to. Yeah, so those people are on the premiere page, like they have an exclusive Rumble agreement, and that puts them on the premiere page. So like Glenn and Kim and and Russell there you will you're going to see them they're going to be on the home page but everybody else that i know that's on there they're not doing they're not doing the same numbers like for example um i'm on there i think rb i, I think we're on there I, I thought we had uploaded on there at one point but i'm on there on and I, live, no but but even people who are like for example like useful idiots is on there they don't pull the same numbers on on rumble that they do on youtube and that's that's mainly because like if you're not if you're not on that home page because they do have if you don't have one of those exclusive like agreements like those people it's going to be harder for people to see you that's that's how rumble works because i know that like nick was trying to say well, well no it's it's not because on youtube the difference is people don't have a contract but well, what I mean is just, just algorithmically. 
No, well, no, because Rumble is a little bit different. Like the way it works on Rumble, the people who have the exclusive Rumble shows, those people are on the home page. And those are going to be the people that you see. Whereas on YouTube, people don't have an exclusive YouTube show. YouTube's just for everybody. So with YouTube, you have to figure out the algorithm in order for people to see you and get popped up on the homepage. Whereas with Rumble, you have to be selected. Well, I, I just think generally that that's how these algorithms work. They they play favorites, and it's all just a question of of what you know how they how they code it and which favorites they play. Well, I, I think I, I'm going to. Yeah, it, uh, it, I, I don't know about that because like. Even with Rockfin, it doesn't work that way. Like with Rockfin, and I can tell you because if you look on Rockfin, like you'll see someone streamed on Rockfin and you'll see their stream on YouTube. Some of these people that are not getting the views on YouTube, they're killing it on Rockfin. And those are like smaller channels. So I think it's just, it's a matter of who they put on the home page. Like if you're not on the home page, then people are less likely to see you unless you know, someone like props you up or whatever, but the people who have the rumble exclusive contracts, those people are the ones that are going to be on the home page. Those are the people. So if you go on rumble right now and you click on that home page, those people have those exclusive shows. Those are the, those are the shows that rumble wants people to see because they have that they're a big name or they can attract a large audience. So that's that's how it works on Rumble. And I only know that because we've had that meeting with them before. So it's it's very different. Like I don't and same thing like this is why some of these other apps don't do as well. This is why like Odyssey, which is kind of similar to YouTube format-wise, people don't do as well over there as they do on YouTube. Then there are people who are very censored on YouTube, but they'll go over to Rockfin and they'll kill it. You know, but then I've I've talked to people, other people who are also on Rumble. Like I said, if they're not a part of that that exclusive Rumble, then nine times out of ten, they're rarely getting the views because they're not on the homepage. So when we had that meeting with Rumble, that was one of the things that they they explained to us is that the way you're gonna get seen really on Rumble is you have to be on the homepage. You have to like if you're not a part of that exclusivity then nine times out of 10, you're not going to get like thousands of views. And I take it they wanted significant bucks to get that, to give you that. No, like it doesn't cost money, but you have to, you have to be able to draw large numbers. Or they so wanted like, exclusivity, right? Exclusivity means that your live show is on Rumble, but you're allowed to take a portion of it and put it on YouTube. So that's right. why like... You'll so, see so that like, would be a, a significant cost to like to, to RBN or to you or a significant problem. Yeah. No, it doesn't cost us anything. No, what I mean is if you had to stop using you, you doing YouTube live streams, that would be a significant problem. Well, I, I don't I don't I, I guess so. Like, I mean, the thing is, is like the idea is supposed to be that. What you're making over on Rumble, if you have that exclusive show, is going to top what you're making on YouTube anyway. Yeah, I think you'd have to be a really big player to, to, to swing that right now. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, they only yeah. give that offer to people 
who already have a large audience, not to people who don't have a large audience. Like people have to already know you. Well, I'm going to step down now. Thanks for uh, talking this evening and uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Phantomos. Sabrina. Yep. I forgot to use the, um, I forgot to put in my technology analysis. Remember how Blu-ray was going to be the big new thing? And they had all these Blu-ray players and drives that were hundreds of dollars. And in the blink of an eye, you hardly see a Blu-ray around anywhere. <laughs> What's Streaming. up, Ashura? I'm pissed. Because of TikTok? No. One, that was Joe, one because of Joe Biden. Because he caused me to come home two hours fucking late. Joe Biden was in Canada? Well, he is in Canada. I'm sorry. Yeah, come pick him up. <laughs> uh, you're you're stuck so. with a man. You're keeping him. Uh, come pick him up. But I don't care if you have to get him by helicopter. He's like, or, come or, get your grandpa. Yours. Come get your grandpa. He wandered away from the house. He's he's all yours, Ashura. Uh, you, we don't fucking need him. Plus, you got, plus you got the fucking app booted me out. Like I was like after uh, Karthik, it booted me out. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ashura. I didn't realize that, but I I, I hope that's something that they do fix with the app because I've noticed that too. Like people will just like they'll disappear and they'll tell me they got kicked out, and I'm like I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. So uh, I I saw I was at work when I saw that shit. I'm like, oh, they're fucking watching Joe Biden. They're like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, this all watching the president. Is he so nice? I'm like, I'm like, bro, I'm cringing inside. So I'm I'm just curious. Do you know like what were they meeting about? Uh, I think it was basically trade. From what people were telling me, I didn't care. It was Joe Biden. So he can go to Canada, but he can't go to East Palestine, Ohio. Oh, I thought he was still at uh, Ukraine. Ukraine. I'm surprised. He basically he's been there. He's been here for two days now. One. I don't know what to say. One of the things I heard is that he's trying to encourage the Canadians to take an aggressive, a more aggressive leadership role in Haiti. Um, in terms of um, the gang violence or whatever they want to frame it as, but he's encouraging Trudeau to um, be more aggressive out front. And I guess the Americans will be kind of like, you know, supporting them because, you know, we have this stuff that's jumping off in Syria. So I did hear. So I'm just going to say this. We can't fix gang violence in this country, but we're supposed to fix it in another country. He's basically washing his hands. What he's doing, he, he wants to make Canada the, 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 the face of the whatever the fuck he's going to do in Haiti. So they can do whatever the fuck they need to do in the background. In the chat, Stupid Cat says they, he wants to pressure Canada to, to send troops into Haiti. The fuck no? Canadian troops. <laughs> And well, let them be the scapegoat this well, time around. That's the thing. Because they know they're fucked. Everybody fucking hates the U.S. So he, he can't he can't have the U.S. do it. So he has to get his one of his bitches to do it. His side pieces, which is Canada. I'm not going to fucking join. 
I think on Sunday I'll have to cover. There's so much that happened. Like a lot of times I see like bits of the news when I'm at the gym and like, cause they have a little screen there and there's so much that happened this morning. And I was like, well, look, shit, my thumbnail and shit is already made. But they were talking about the tax in Syria. And then I saw that like, um, Aaron Mate had to testify in front of the UN, like about Syria today. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that, was either, that was either today or no, that was today. I think. No, what, what did you cover it? Mm-mm. Okay, so that's why I heard Jimmy was doing it yesterday. I didn't see the beginning, but I heard he was. They were talking about Syria, and Jimmy has that clip about uh, Donald Trump, where Donald Trump says, um, "We have the oil. I'm keeping troops in Syria. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it for the oil. The oil is secure." <laughs> He's like, "Shut the fuck up." No wonder they don't like you. you. You talk too much. I don't know, dude, but, you know, he did say the quiet part out loud, right? But I'm just going to say that, like, I'll have to go and watch it. I think uh, Gray Zone might have covered it. I I'll have to check. I think Gray Zone might have covered um, the trip and the, uh, the visit to the UN. But what I saw on the news when I was at the gym this morning was that there were U.S. troops that were injured in Syria uh, from drones, from drone yeah, strikes. Yeah, now, yeah, well, yeah, some kind of drone strike. Yeah, Jimmy talked about that. Jimmy even said, "Well, if the people down there are basically um, drone striking you, maybe it's best to not be there in, in, in the first place. Just get out of Syria. What the fuck are you doing there? You're basically occupying somebody, somebody else's country." Didn't they just vote on that? Didn't Congress just vote on whether or not to take the troops out of Syria? No, or was that Yemen? They voted against it. It's that resolution Matt Gates tried to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was either Yemen or Syria. That might have been Yemen. Okay, but but they would have they, they would have done the same. That doesn't matter for them. Like they 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 think they're all fucking the same Muslims people. So the, they will they will give a fuck. They're wrecking the middle the Middle East. They're basically the same people for them. They're Muslims. Okay, well, I'm gonna look into it. Like. And if so, if I look into it, I'm going to cover that on Sunday um, because I saw that this morning and I was like, fuck, I was like, I can't cover that today because I already had my stories picked out and I had two shows on Friday, but I was like, I could probably cover it on Sunday. Um, and then, fuck, it's going to be tough talking about this without having like an expert on. I'm just keeping it real. Fuck. But you know, like I it's going to be tough. <laughs> a part of this, I think, is in response to the realignment between Syria and Iran. And they see that whole um, Russia, China, Syria, Iran block coming into view. And, you know, because it sounded real sketchy saying, you know, um, some of the Iran-backed people attacked the U.S. base twice and then... Again, it happened again today in the U.S. is bombing. I'm thinking you are all of a sudden, now that China has brokered this deal or this realignment between Syria and Iran, all of a sudden it's war efforts in Syria against the Iranian group. So I'm thinking, oh, you all are getting frantic because your whole game plan is starting to crumble. And you, you know, I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it, it's just really unsettling to me.
You're in Canada pushing the Canadians to do be more aggressive in Haiti, which you have really nothing to do with. You funding, you know, Ukraine to the hilt. Now you you're uncomfortable with this um, new peace alliance between Iran and Syria, but you're being the one who's being isolated. The U.S. is going to end up looking up, and we're going to be isolated. And I think they see it coming. And you know, um, if the um, European economy continues to deal with the inflation because of the war in Ukraine, they're going to be not a stronger ally when their people are complaining about the high cost of everything. We're not going to so, be invited to the cookout anymore, Noel. Right. <laughs> They're going to be like, you can't sit here. We'll show up with a uh, potato salad and they'll be like, you can't eat everybody's potato salad. Ooh, and Hillary Clinton ain't going to bring in the, bop, the hot sauce in her purse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We have to add Saudi Arabia to that list, too. It's um, So now it's China, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. And Syria. Yeah, I mean, they kind of have that agreement. This is just like... It's crazy, you know, like I was talking to my dad about this because my dad was like former military. My dad was just like, he just never thought he would see this. But at the same time, he kind of feels like, you know, you can't blame those countries for doing their own thing because the U.S. is really fucked over every other freaking country. Uh, on that note, uh, since you said your dad's an army guy, did you ever think maybe you would join the military yourself like private savvy? <laughs> God no. <laughs> you know, thought, maybe I'll just follow in the family's footsteps and just join the military. No. Um my dad asked me that. My dad tried to convince oh. me that yeah. I could just join the military and, and not have to worry about having any student loan debt and stuff like that and I was like, "No, nah, I'm good." First of all, I don't do too well when people's like put their face too close to my face and like yell in my face. I don't really like that. So basic training would have not been good for me. <laughs> and two, I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a free, I'm a free bird. I, I'm not the best at like following orders. Like, I don't know how to, how to play it. Like, I just don't really like someone saying like, I remember my dad used to like have to shine his boots every night. He used to have to like, your uniform pants have to be tucked into your boot a certain way and you get inspected like every morning. And I saw that like when it was the uh, bring your kid to work day. And I, I went to work with my dad and I was like, and I saw them get like inspected and like all that stuff. And I was like, nah, not for me, bro. <laughs> not for me. And then also like as a female, I mean, my, my hair is on the longer side. Like, your hair has to be, it would always have to be up. Like I would always have to like put it up either in a bun or a tight, like I can't just have my hair in a ponytail. Like I would have to put it in a bun all the time. It's I stuff like you, that. I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say that your your dad wasn't that, uh, you know, pro-military. <laughs> I thought you were, I, I, didn't, I didn't think you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say my dad was like, yeah, they kind of used him to go to get out of poverty, but he told me not to go to the military. I thought that was going to be your answer. 
I mean, he wasn't really pro-military, but like he did what he needed to do to get out. But he only gave me that advice because he didn't want me to have student loan debt. Well, well, you know, that's the thing. You know, so he kind of went a little bit pro-military before you get out of student loan debt. So he was like, but he said he goes join the Air Force, and then you only have to do like certain number of years, and da da da. I said, no, nah, I'm good. I considered going to the military. You did, Noel? Yes, I did. Because I was thinking I might catch me a good husband. (laughs) (laughs) But then I thought about it. I'm like, ooh, child, he might beat me. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) and that was way before the transition. So. I'm like, ooh, no, girly, you better do something different. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't like take like orders well if you're like yelling at me. I don't deal well with that. And I would have to make it through basic training. And like, if you're yelling at me, I'm just gonna be like, okay, look. Inside know. voices, inside voices, please. <laughs> like, we don't need to yell at each other to get things done around here, okay? <laughs> Like it would just not work well with me, and they would just be like, "I don't think this is for you." <laughs> you'd be peeling, you'd be peeling potatoes afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like, "They'd be like, Sergeant, drop and give me 20. and I'd be like, uh, "I kind of just feel like doing 10. Sabby, <laughs> I, I almost went in at a very bad economic time in my life. That's but... how a lot of people get in. Let me see. I was 21, but then since I was older, there was somebody that I knew that told me exactly what questions to ask. And they, and so I said, all right, no problem. And the guy got offended. Not, not the guy that told me to ask, but like when I went there, right. And I was hitting him with all these questions and he got all frustrated. You know what? I think that you were talking to someone who didn't have a good experience and and this, I was like, no, I'm just asking questions that, you know, he told me to ask. He had a pretty good experience. Well, I don't think, you know, I don't think that the army is for you or whatever. All right, thanks. Have a nice day. <laughs> you, got, you, got a, you got a cheat code. Basically, they told you to say what they didn't want to hear. And they said, uh, no, no, no we, we don't want Roger. Yeah, that's pretty much what, you know, what happened. I was like, ah, that's all right. I'll go over there and get a cashier job at McDonald's for a little bit <laughs> until I figure out what I want to do. But you know what? It was different with sports, though. Like, I feel like I don't know. I don't know. Like, if our coach was talking to us a certain way, I felt like it was different because I felt like, number one, the whole point was to win. Like, we wanted to win the game, so we're working together as a team. But I mean, like, just to go to basic training, just to have someone yelling in front of your face just because they're trying to show off, no, nah, I have time for that. <laughs> I just don't have time for it. Like, who are you trying to impress? My dad told me when he was in basic training, like he saw some um some of the soldiers like started crying and like he just some of them ended up going home. And my dad was from Baltimore, so he was just like, Look, I'm from Baltimore. This is nothing to me. <laughs> but that's you you said on your show tonight that um people who got good grades were turned away. Or something with ROTC, something like that. You were saying a lot of them. You, you've seen people who got were good academically, but then 
the ROTC or some some military thing didn't accept them. And I started thinking, and I was like, yeah, because they're too smart. They want they don't want people thinking. They want people to just obey orders or whatever the case. Is. Oh, there's a physical um, requirement to join the military. Yes. The armed forces, you do have to be within certain specifications. Yes. And this is what I was saying before that a friend of mine, um, she really, really wanted to go into the Air Force. And she couldn't get in because she didn't meet. They they still do body taping or they did at least at that time. And she couldn't get in because she didn't pass the body taping requirements. And she was not overweight. But again, like I said, they're really strict about that. Like what the military considers to be overweight is not what your doctor would consider being overweight because they do body taping. When you go to the doctor, they're not doing body taping. So if if you're one of those females where, you know, you got some. Big old titties. There you go. Uh, you know, you may not pass that part. Like I, I had that happen with my friend, but. When I was talking about West Point, yeah, like it, they can reject you for it could be just one thing. I had another friend when I was in high school that applied to West Point and he got rejected because he had asthma. Otherwise, and they 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 flat out told him that that was the only reason he was not accepted because he had asthma. He was asthmatic and he had he had already been uh, in the emergency room before, like growing up with asthma attacks. And so they didn't want to take him. I guess they see you as like a risk, but uh, he was really disappointed. Cause like, that's what he really, that was the only thing he ever wanted to do. And he was just like, he didn't know where to go from there. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he ended up or anything. Like he was a year ahead of me, but we were on the debate team together. So that's how I knew him, but I don't know where he ended up because he just didn't have any other dream but going to West Point, going into the military. And that's the other thing. Like he couldn't get into the military at all because of his medical record, because it said that he was asthmatic. So I don't know. Like I said, like it could be one thing that makes them turn you away. But uh, didn't they accept just anybody back in the day? No. I heard they'll take most anybody now. They're getting desperate. Uh, are we talking about the the military? Or are we talking about West Point? Military. Oh, uh, West Point would not won't accept just anybody, but the military still wouldn't accept him because of his medical records, because of his his medical. So, uh, what was the thing about the AOC? Are they trying to lower the age to get people to sign into the military, or they want to sign them in early until they turn eighteen? No, I mean, they always recruited in the high schools. That's always been a thing. And then once they turn 18, they join. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know how it is. How is it in Canada? Like, do they recruit? I don't know. I never went to high school in Canada. Basically, I was a bit, I came around when I was 19. So I had to go to a uh, an adult school for that one. Okay. Well, go ahead, Eric. I saw you on mute. So go ahead, because I know you got kicked out a couple of times. Go ahead. My bad. Thank you, Savvy. Thanks for letting me speak. How are you doing, Savvy? I'm doing okay. Hey, I I just wanted to say, you know, last week, I mean, it's been kind of tough to join the chats just because because of my work or whatnot. So I always try to join. But sometimes I'm a little bit late and I and I definitely try to catch up, you know, rewatching the streams. I literally watch you know, RBN throughout the week and a few other shows too. 
uh, every week, you know, so it's like a, I'm pretty religious about getting my RBN on, I guess you could say, and I love it. And so uh, last week, um, CJ was, um, I guess he was doing like a little bit of a streaming, uh, uh, I think on Saturday for the, for the, uh, what was it? The rally in LA. Yeah. It was, you know, that was so, I, I I know that some of the guys here uh, on the call in were there on the chat too because I I recognize them, and that was probably the most exciting thing that I've seen in a in a while because he was actually out in the uh, you know we never get to see CJ out right, so he was out there and he was kind of capturing a lot of stuff. He got to um, put the speaker from Peru that was speaking about what's going on in Peru, and then he captured all these young people that had been killed. Uh, um, natives to Peru, I guess, who have been killed by either the state or the corporations because they're speaking out. They were pretty young people for the majority of them were like in their early 20s, I think, uh, indigenous people. And it was just so, you know, eye opening that they're what they're seeing over there, what they're experiencing, you know, it's not to the level that we get here, but it, it's, it's so amazing that we're all, you know, in the same in the same place, how we see things. And, and it was great to see him out there. And I'm hoping that, you know, that he does more of that because it, it really re-energized me when I watched him out there. I know this is kind of off topic, um, you know, but I also wanted to talk about TikTok and the fact that, you know, I mean, our government is doing a job to essentially lay and continue to lay a foundation of why to hate China. Uh, and, you know, they're doing it for their own reasons, you know, primarily because China is becoming such a economic powerhouse. And like you continue to say, they have five of the largest banks in the world. Right. And so the U.S. is definitely going to lose its grip. It's been losing its grip over the last four years, probably more so than ever. And China is out there making and pushing their agenda in a, in a gentler way than the U.S. ever has in my lifetime. Right. And these other countries are up on the game, and it's just a matter of time. If the U.S. dollar is no longer uh, the currency that's preferred for oil, it'll definitely topple over everything the U.S. has as an empire. And so the U.S. has to set up a basis to go after China and you know, and Russia simultaneously to create a sort of cold war against them so that we, the public, get behind that. And these sort of hearings are more of that to sort of lay that foundation, because if you look at the top, you know, let's say for the last 10 years, there's plenty of, of U.S. corporations and non-U.S. corporations who have done worse things than TikTok has, you know, whether it's Johnson and Johnson putting, I don't know if they had asbestos in some of the talc, the, the powder that people use. Uh, there's other companies who have, uh, you know, diminished the environment like Chevron. Uh, I think BP was the company that spilled all that oil in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, you can just go on and on of companies who have actually tangible uh, results of what they did, and all they what all they got was fines. You know, nobody said, "Hey, we're going to sh- uh, shut you down," and, and and in order for you to stay open, we have to take over. That's never happened. So you know, it's it's a complete scheme that they're playing on on the American public. And it's because, again, they're trying to lay that foundation, Savvy, against China. I agree. I, I really do. I think this is uh, more economics for the United States than anything. And I think that 
Listen, I saw this coming a couple years ago because I was actually, you know, I used to work at the business school and there were talks about like China's economy back then. This was a couple years ago. And I saw, I was like, you know, China's really moving up, you know? Yeah. And and I mean, you know, I have a lot of people that are close to me that are Chinese. And and I I, I grew up in, in, in the Bay Area. And the the area is pretty much a, a very good melting pot in some ways. Uh, we're not so divided, you know. So I got very privileged to live with among a lot of Asian folks, white folks, black folks. You know, these people that really, you know, even to this day, these are dear friends of mine that I grew up in the Bay Area with. And uh, you know, there was a code of conduct back then that has been, you know, completely gone now, where people are hurting each other, uh, young people going after older people uh, of different races. And that did not happen to the degree that it's happening today. Um, And I know, you know, in other states, it may be a lot different, but from from where I grew up in my, you know, my epicenter of my life, it it wasn't like, you know, everything was sweet or nothing. I grew up in an area where you could get your ass kicked. If you looked at somebody the wrong way, they kick your ass on the spot, you know? It was like that, but there was also a code of conduct that you were not going to hurt somebody if they were elderly, regardless of their, you know, their background, you know, wherever their ethnicity was, it, that didn't matter. You were not going to do that. That you were going to get checked if you hurt somebody that was old or a woman or a little kid or somebody like that. That was not going to happen, and and that sort of it's gone. You know, I don't see that. Um, and, and that's really bad for our society. And, and then I think, you know, earlier on, I think you guys were speaking about the, I think it was Roger that was asking one of the callers about the, the law that was passed for the Asian community. And, and, you know, the Democrats pushed for that to get passed on really quickly. And it's wrong because it pits, it pits you know, a, one community who's getting hurt while another community who's been getting hurt for decades, hundreds of years, you know, black folks, and the amount of frustration that that goes, you know, in the psyche of black people because they've been pigeonholed, because they've been put in places that they live, you know. And I was just having a conversation with one of my dearest friends who happens to be Filipino, and he's had he's had to go through a lot of troubles. But he also was telling me, you know, he could see how it is to be a black person when you've been pigeonholed and you've been put to live in these boxes, and and you have the whole system coming after you. And how much that makes a person feel so low that you essentially start to break out and just do all kinds of crazy stuff. People don't realize that how much that burden is built into the DNA of black folks and how much that impacts, you know, generations of of black people. And until you really start to self-reflect, then you start to say, man, we need to do something about that because if we do that, not only are we going to change their their psyche and, and better their lives, we can better everybody's lives. You know, when we go and help the, the least of us, truly, it helps everyone. And you have to do it also, because I know that Roger maybe was asking about this too. You have to do it specifically. I think, you know, we would have to do this specifically for black folks, uh, reparations, for instance, we have to do that for them, you know, not like, okay, include all this other stuff. No, it's for them. And, and that would make a big change for all of us, including people that view the U.S. in a negative way. 
because it would it would show you know that we're actually trying to do what's right. That that would alone would change everything. I think that would be a game changer. I think so. I so all right. Yeah. I I just wanted to say specifically, it wouldn't be for for black folks. It would specifically be for those who black folks who came here by force, not by choice. Uh, but I know what you meant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. Hey, how you yeah. doing? Good. Um, also, um, if you ever notice something that the, uh, the Democrats always do is they when it comes to us, they always want to pair. Um, if, if they're going to give us anything, they always want to pair it yep. with someone else's policy. That's right. Like, think of it like this, right? When they decided to do the, uh, oh, when they tried, when they decided to do the Asian hate crime bill, they didn't say, um, we're going to pass it unless we're going to attach uh, reparations with that. But when um, Friedman, American Friedman was talking about reparations, Joe Biden says, and it's not just what Joe Biden says, they do, the Democrat Party does that and does this in general also. He said, only if it's tied with indigenous people's stuff as well. So like they're always attaching our stuff to everybody else's stuff, but they never attach our stuff to everybody else's stuff. No, that's right. And that's why I made that point, that distinction just earlier, Roger, to say it has to be just for this. You know, it has to be poignant. It has to be for this specific reason that we would do this as a society here in the U.S. for our black folks and not attach it to anything else. And, you know, whatever comes of it, you know, because uh, it, it wouldn't be simple. I, I could see that, you know, it would be very, you know, but. That doesn't matter because the problems that have been brought upon black folks are very complex. So we have to do something about it if we want to get past anything. Because I, I feel in my heart that that would change a lot of things for the better. Um, you know, so, you know, I don't know how we do that, but I'm hoping that in my lifetime, there's some movement to, to get us to, to, to some point to get us there. Uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity if more of the, of, of the, I, I like to say the entertainers and some of the big uh, like NFL, NBA players, if, if they started to really push for an agenda similar to Muhammad Ali, you know, what he did back in his, in his days, there will be an opportunity to, to push for something, I think, because they have enough cloud and, and gravity behind them if they actually got together. So That's right. I, I do want to say um, really quick for people who haven't had a chance to do so, CJ actually just did a stream this week about Muhammad Ali dodging the draft. And I highly recommend that you go and watch it if you haven't seen it, because it's very informative. Because even at the end, CJ tells you what happened to all of those like civil rights, like leaders that were agreeing with Muhammad Ali during that time and what happened to them today, like where they are today. And I think you might be very surprised where some of them ended up. I I didn't I didn't finish watching. Well, I saw it, but I didn't watch it. But I'm guessing they sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, that's you know, people don't talk about that savvy. You know, a lot of people they they they've commandeer Muhammad Ali. You know, he's on T-shirts that you sell that they sell at Ross or Marshalls. He's everywhere, right? 
Uh, but he was not liked, you know, during those during those years where he was opposing the status quo. He was not loved by a lot of people. He put his neck out there really against, the, uh, you know, the powers that be. Uh, you know, it was unbelievable what he did. And that's why people love him to this day, even though the story doesn't get really, you know, spoken about the truly the right way. You know, like CJ was actually doing the, the due diligence to speak to how much he was digging into it. But this is why he's so loved now is because of what he did then. Because he put up everything that he had monetarily, he put that aside and he put his principles ahead of him, ahead of everything. You know, something that nobody's doing now. You know, even I think CJ kind of contrasts uh, Kaepernick because Kaepernick is not the level of an athlete of uh, Muhammad Ali. You know, to that level. So I, I didn't get to watch all of CJ's, uh, 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 this show that you're talking about, but I watched just a little bit. And, and, but it was great. I need to go back and finish it. But again, Savvy, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, this thing that CJ did, we got to see more of that with RPN. We got to see more of you guys out there uh, doing those kind of shows because I think it really re-energizes and gets people behind you and the message of RPN. So I'm going to let other people speak, but thank you, Savvy. Thank you so Eric, much. Eric, don't go nowhere. Okay. Eric. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, um, and I often say this, like you're, you're, you're saying we need to get celebrities and all these different types of people to start a movement. I always say, your leader is not on your electronic display screen. The leader is in the mirror. If you're going to, if you're going to, it's a bad idea to hope people who have, who engage in the system who make money off the system of, of capitalism um, to hope and think that they're going to give up all of that to fight for and alongside the people. They may, but they will only go but so far. Okay? Take, I say take your power back from giving it to celebrities and put it back on the people and us. You see what I'm saying? I mean, no, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I 100% agree. I, I don't know that I would have said I, I wanted them to start a movement. I just said mm -hmm. that it would be good if we can leverage, you know, what they have behind them, the, the ability to gain so much visibility through, you know, a few of those guys just speaking out. I'm not saying that they should be the ones leading because you're 100% right. Yeah, yeah you're 100% right. Yeah, but like right. I said, they're they only going to go but so far. You know, they got so much money on the line and, and so much on the line. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we started, and if they want to, if they want to join in later on, let them make songs about us and our movement, and do all different types of stuff. But I mean, um, I saw that. Um, I didn't see uh, the RBN thing with Ali, but I did see the four. Was it the four episode thing from PBS about Ali hmm. um, a while ago? It's like two hours each episode or whatever the case is right and yeah yeah it filled in a lot of it filled in a lot of bits and pieces and stuff like that um, i mean so yeah go ahead i just want to yeah i just want to chime in here a second i'm going to wrap up in like 15 minutes um but i want to chime in here for something because i like this brought up another point that came my way um when you know cj is kind of the one that handles those types of streams and what we've noticed is that it does seem like, you know, for whatever reason, when we have those streams about like really important issues, 
people don't watch them. Really? People don't watch them. Oh, wow. So, for example, if this is something I've noticed just myself, hmm. if the Nick and CJ, CJ show is happening and let's say they're talking about Humanist Report or Marianne Williamson or uh, another podcast or whatever, like so-and-so ratio, so-and-so, whatever. They can have like 500 people live, sometimes 600 people live. Mm. But then that same time slot, if it's something about something ser- like serious that mm-hmm. the Muhammad Ali thing or <laughs> when CJ was talking about how the Black Panthers came about, like yeah. these were all like pretty recent, but like what we've noticed is that whenever I've noticed, whenever it's like those serious topics, people don't tune in. Mm. And I know people are available at that time because they're there like Monday through Friday to watch all the other stuff. And so while I have everybody here, why is that? Why are people not clicking on those informative streams and clicking on the ones about drama? I mean, I think savvy there may, you know, I mean, we're, we're only human too, you know, (laughs) so there, there may be, you know, an effect of, of all of us just being part of society today that that sort of conflict, you know, whether it's in this in this sort of setting, it, it, it makes us want to hear what's going on a little bit more. I, I, you know, it could be some of that. Uh, it, it, may, it may just be part of our society, what it is today. Um, but 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 you know what? But I don't know that. I, no, I, I'll just speak for myself. When I heard when I heard CJ do the the show on Muhammad Ali, I know there's a lot of substance to that. What he's talking about has historical substance, and there's is very meaningful to to understand what he did, right? But when when he's talking about a conflict, you know, like what you're describing, whether somebody's beefing or whatever, whatever word you want to use, there may be an immediate, oh wow, man, let me hear who's beefing, right? To me, I don't see that as substance. You know, I don't take that with me as a meaningful lesson or something like that. Whereas the Muhammad Ali, to me, that's a value. There's value there. Uh, I don't see value with the beef. I may want to hear it, but I don't. I don't equate that with. Okay, that's something that's really important. It's just some beef that that he's describing. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Right. And I guess um, I'm trying to understand and I'll I'll bring in Jasmine here. I guess I'm just trying to understand because it's not even just us. It's it's every every commentator who is I will say not a large channel. So those of us that don't have like a hundred thousand subs, every one of them that, that I know has made the same complaint that like it seems like they don't get a lot of views unless they're talking about some type of beef, but then sometimes like audience members will say, well, why don't you guys talk about this and talk about that and talk about this? We do talk about those things, but when we do, people don't click on the stream. You know, like people contacted me earlier this week and say, you know, you guys need to talk about East Palestine, Ohio. I've talked about East Palestine, Ohio multiple times. I even have multiple clips on it. The problem is people aren't clicking on that. Like when we talk about it. But go ahead, Jasmine. For me, me, I usually avoid channels that just focus on gossip or or, or beef between people. I usually just, if I see that there's too much of that going on, I just avoid them. I don't want to hear about it. 
I used to be a big um uh what's his name? A big um Jimmy Dore fan um not fan listener, but when he went to when he had the big beef sometime was it last year with um him and, and, and Jenk and all of them and it's just back and I just couldn't deal with it. I just I couldn't deal. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with the gossip and like I, I avoid those kinds of things. Anyway, I'm here. I, I was talking about um, TikTok. Sorry if I'm. Am I? Ch- is is changing the topic a little bit? No, go ahead. No. I just. I was just okay. asking that question because it was okay. Um, I, I just wanted to say first of all to um, to Roger, the United States also hold Haiti um, um, reparations. The, the way they have kept those people in abject poverty, the way they've stolen those people's resources and they've cooled them over and over and over again and they've um, artificially kept them poor and kept their workers' wages poor in order to, to, to bankroll the United States. It's just they owe Haiti tremendous reparations because they were the first black people to be freed in this region of the Americas, they've attacked in very different ways, but multiple ways, Haiti. So they hold Haiti tremendous reparations. Just So it's not just people who are born in the United States. I mean, sorry, people who were forcibly brought to the United States, but people also who were in Haiti need to get reparation from the United States. Because the United States have just, like, there's a reason why they're the poorest people in the region. And it's not because of their own doing. Well, reparations, Um, I I just want to chime in here for a second, because I'm going to tell you what reparations experts would say about that. They would say that Haiti is owed reparations from France. Yes, they are. France owes reparations to Haiti and a bunch of other countries in, um, in Africa. But United States also owes um, um, Haiti reparations. Do you know how many coups, and how, like rice, for example, they used to produce rice. And Clinton, the Clintons went in and stopped that because they want, like, you know how many times they've artificially done things and injected themselves into Haiti to keep Haiti poor? The United States have done the United States have done tremendous wrongs to Haiti, and a lot of people don't know. And and even the president that was killed recently, the United States killed him. Trump killed him. Well, I know about it because I've done streams about it multiple times. So I'm I'm very well aware of what the U.S. has done to Haiti. Um, a lot of people are not aware of the fact that even Woodrow Wilson actually seized banks in Haiti. When he was president, he sent Marines over to Haiti. Like a lot of people don't don't know about this stuff. Um, so I totally get where you're coming from. But the reparations experts in the United States would say that reparations has to be based on lineage. And the reason being is because the 14th Amendment could actually overturn it. I'm talking about. OK, so if we're going to talk about reparations, we we talk about repairing the damage that you've done. They've done tremendous damage to to Haiti. They've done tremendous damage to black people within the United States who are um, native. And not just, you know, 
they've done tremendous they've done you know some people people will say um well the natives they've wiped out the natives almost completely but they've done tremendous harm to blacks they also genocided the black the africans who were there um so a lot of um people who are there now are are, are left people who were not gen um killed because they, they brought down the numbers tremendously as well but in terms of Haiti, the United States directly um, focused their efforts in keeping Haiti poor and keeping Haiti subjugated, not just France. And so if you break something, you have to fix it. And so when I say repair, it's you, you, you damage something, you have to repair it. And they broke Haiti and they have to repair. They, they and France have a part to play in paying um, 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 Haiti back for the, the things that they've done wrong to Haiti. So it's not just, I'm saying along with the black people in the uh, United States of America, they also hold Haiti a grand debt. I hear where you're coming from, but that's that's not what reparations means in the United States. That's the problem. Reparations in the United States is for the the, the descendants of slavery. It's not but, for because if we take the reparations thing is, by by the coups and all that shit, excluding the reparations, I think so. That's what she means. And when uh, she's talking about that Haiti is poor, uh, I've talked with my stepdad with this, and he's told me that they're not poor. It's just that they they're just mismanaged. They, they have just a bunch of corrupt politicians who basically no. do the beatings of the United States. No, no. They, yeah. they, the one as soon as the person, as soon as they try to change um, from to no longer do the bidding, they get killed. Like the guy who got killed earlier. Anytime they raise their heads, they get killed. You understand? Like when I'm telling you that America has their handprint. Like you just heard that someone sent people to Canada, um, went over to Canada just now to try to send. Um, um, like Biden is trying to send people into Haiti to try to um, get armies, the Canadian army to go into Haiti. Like I'm telling you, it's continuously. They continuously have their their feet on Haiti's neck. It's not just like, oh, they're just a bunch of um, corrupt people, politicians what, who are managing. What we're saying, Jasmine, is that we don't, we don't deny that the U.S., has had a very um, negative impact on Haiti and that damage has been done. We acknowledge that piece, but what we're saying is that the reparations for slavery, for the descendants of slaves who are American-born citizens is a different justice claim. So Haiti has a right to pursue a justice claim against the United States for the detriments and harms that have been caused Haiti that Haiti can prove, but that is not the same. And it, we can't commingle our claim for repair for the institution of slavery and the compounded harms that have been caused to us as citizens I'm, I'm not saying with I'm, the I'm not harms that have been caused to other people in other nations. And so, because the truth is, the United I'm States has had a role it. in destabilizing a lot of countries, but we're yeah, not, not we're saying but what we're saying you can't commingle it and conflate it all into one big thing. I'm not saying I'm not conflating it. I'm not commingling it. I'm right. saying 
and that's what we're saying. I'm saying in terms of black people as well, they also owe Haiti a tremendous debt. I'm not saying they don't. They have to pay. They have to pay the native. The native. Um, well, I'm, I don't know if it's called Africans who are who are um um who are descendants of slave um, Africans who are forcefully brought to the United States. I don't know if to call them natives, but they have they owe a tremendous debt to black people in the United States, but they also owe a tremendous debt to black people in another island, which is what I'm saying. So I'm not just, and, I'm not trying to conflate or commingle. I'm saying they also owe a tremendous debt I to get another that. set of black we're, people. We're saying the same things. We're not denying the harms that have been caused Katie, but we're just saying that these are separate harms. She, she may be talking about also the uh, exportations that were done from white countries, including the United States, that were taking uh, during the slave trade, they were basically taking wealth from Haiti. That's that part, but the slavery part, you can't mingle that. You could probably mingle the 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 the, the theft of wealth for that one, but I don't think the U.S. US is ever going to give that. And uh, one thing she said about that, the Haiti basically is uh, the first uh, black uh, country to basically do it on their own. I had to do some research. Turns out, basically, it's not. It's sugar coated. Turns out it's it's not just the slave Haitians, but also the white Haitians, white Haitians that lived there, plus the mixed people. They came together and basically they threw out the French. So that's that's basically not everything. They'll make you say it's just the Haitians, but it's everybody else. Like the the, the slave owners, white slave owners, the they didn't want to have to do anything with the French, so they came together on that point. But they still. No. No, the um the Polish, the Polish actually um Napoleon sent over us enlisted some Polish soldiers to go over and to the the uprising and 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 the Polish ended up joining with the the, the native French to kill the all the French people out. So it's actually Polish. The white people who you're seeing there are Polish soldiers. They're not French. Um, and they and they were sent over to to. Pretty much to to to, to try it as a part of um a, a group a large group. Yeah, but there's also them. where the people that were mixed race uh, of Haitian and white people. They also weren't seen as a upper class race, so they wanted to basically break that apart completely. So they joined forces with the slaves and the white people there. But the Haitian basically history basically focuses on just the black part because they can't add the other two. Okay, so I'm not Haitian, but I'm just saying that um, Haiti needs repair from both France and the United States. Um, so anyway, in terms of TikTok, sorry. Nobody's going to want to basically touch that one because they're going to get the same argument and on the loop saying it's for Africans, this is African slaves. The Haitians parts, they can get reparations for the other shit that's not related to slavery. Like, if I let me, let me just finish, Roger. If a Haitian went to in America, he got basically stop and frisk. He could basically demand that type of reparation. No, they're not. I'm not saying they should um, demand reparation in um, um, as a part of um, African African American reparations. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they also should be be made whole 
in terms of what's ongoing against them currently. Currently, they're being attacked. It was just a few months, like a few months ago, that their president was killed. The guys in in in, in currently in Canada trying to send um soldiers to Haiti. Currently, they're being attacked, and they've been attacked for a long for years now. What I'm saying is that they also need to get repaired right now. I'm not talking about um um as a part of of African-American grievance. That's a, a separate thing. I'm not conflating the two. But you yeah. just I also, that they needed reparations based for slavery. I'm pretty sure that's I didn't say for slavery. I never said for slavery. France Jasmine. owe them that. For slavery, France owe them that. I said for ongoing Jasmine. harm. Jasmine, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I understand what you're saying. But I never denied that America doesn't owe anything uh, to uh, to Haitians. Um, so, even though oh, I hear myself echoing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never denied that. Um, it just it, it, you just have to do a separate. Man, I keep hearing that. Okay. You're on, the, you're on your Bluetooth. Okay. Can I can I say something about TikTok? Yeah, go ahead, and then I, I got to go in like three minutes. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, so TikTok, um, TikTok basically shares information. You can, if you join TikTok, you will get a lot of um, leftist information, but you will also get serious knowledge of some things that United States government do not want people to know. So that's the real reason that they're um, going after TikTok. It's not because um, any Chinese government is is is, is doing anything. Also, um, heard it heard it from the vine that um, Facebook paid um, lobbyists to get them to put negative ads, to basically to lobby the politicians against TikTok, and then they started cutting the the the, the money that they used to pay um, content creators on their apps. Because they thought, well, now TikTok is going to go away. We no longer have to compete. So now they're no longer paying people for reels and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So really Facebook yeah. is behind the whole ban. Yeah, I, I, I covered that earlier tonight. Um, but yeah, F Facebook is very much involved here. All right, guys, I do have to head out. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good weekend, good guys. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Noel. You're around. You're up. You're